Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Carrie Moynihan. And this week, we're finding out who will be left at the altar. <gasps> and it's an exclamation mark title, so you know it's going to be good. Yes! Those are always juicy ones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yet again, it's something where a title refers to... I mean, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but we are talking about the very, 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 very end of the book. Mm, yeah, it's. I kind, of, I kind of thought the wedding was going to happen... In or like that the ceremony and all that was going to mm. happen much earlier in this book, but like we're really dragging this out to the bitter end. <laughs> right, almighty we are, and uh, and actually we will be dragging it out even further than you think, listeners, because um, we have a little announcement for you now. Our Pi Beta Alpha siblings already know this. But um, don't worry, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we will, <laughs> heaven forbid. It's quite the opposite, in fact. <laughs> like, speaking of tearing the air out of things. <laughs> we're going to be sticking around for just a little bit longer. <laughs> yes, so we decided uh, for our sanity and also just the, uh, the, the longevity of the podcast itself, mm-hmm. we're going to, for foreseeable at least, uh, split our next few books or you know for for the next while anyway uh, yeah. do books in two halves um because our episodes were just getting ridiculously long and we were both oh. delirious with tiredness by the end of them so if you noticed us like stumbling over words or yeah. not quite being coherent because it was usually approaching about 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday evening and we were both just exhausted and drained oh. <laughs> That is literally it. Um, <laughs> exhausted, drained. Or my uh, arse always felt like it had gone completely numb from sitting in one spot for like four hours, and it just <laughs> it was just too much. And also, like these books, as we worked out, they're about as half as long again as the as the previous, like as all the previous the pre Margot mm. era. Like they are really, really long. Um, And also the plots have just gotten real convoluted. There's layers and layers of shenanigans going on. And like every page has something fucking wild happening on it. So to actually (laughs) properly recap everything and get the most out of each banana storyline, it it does kind of warrant (laughs) two episodes (laughs) per book, at least certainly for these ones, because Jesus, I think we're all surprised they managed to top the werewolf series immediately with how bonkers all of this is it's truly stunning but yeah it does mean that like recapping them doing our notes takes forever um and it's really really tiring because you know (laughs) it may be hard to believe listeners but a lot of work (laughs) to the preparation of these chaotic 
<laughs> podcast episodes <laughs> like literal hours so um yeah it's just not not really uh sustainable um because you know mm. some of us by which i mean me are getting quite old i was <laughs> 48 in like four months and like i just don't have the stamina to be perfectly honest <laughs> And it is, you know, some of these latest episodes have been an endurance (laughs) approaching four hours, which is fucking ridiculous, to be perfectly honest. But also, I think with the way things were running at the minute, we were most likely going to end up fully just like running out of Sweet Valley High books in the series by the Uh end of next year. So this way, we'll be sticking around longer. So I'm pretty sure, you know, we want to stick around and hopefully you also want us to stick around. So this way, everybody wins. <laughs> and also, this means that I will be finished recording this episode early enough to go and watch the last episode of Succession, which aired Yay. the day before we recorded this. And if you we run our usual schedule, I would not be able to watch it till tomorrow. And my desperate attempts to not be spoiled would probably fail. Oh. So, you know, <laughs> there's many reasons for doing this. You're doing amazing to have gotten this far into the day, to be honest, without being I spoiled. know. So congratulations. Oh, fingers <laughs> crossed. You, you just better not spoil me, Karen. <laughs> this podcast will end right here. If we disagree about anything in this episode, I know exactly how to shut you <laughs> up. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, uh, before uh, Karen says anything she regrets, um, <laughs> let's start off... Um, as usual, with tagline and blurb. And uh, Karen, can you share the truly amazing tagline? I would be only too happy to do so. For it is, speak now or forever hold your peace. (laughs) I'm so tempted to say something, but it will be spoilery. So I'll just, Mm. I'll hold it in. (laughs) Um, Here's the full blurb. Jessica Wakefield is living a double life. At the same time as she and her twin sister, Elizabeth, are helping their new friend. Friend. Just. Friend, indeed. (laughs) Sue Givens planned her wedding. Jessica's meeting secretly with Sue's fiancé, Jeremy Randall. Elizabeth warns her to stay away. I mean, she literally locks her in a room at one stage. It's not just warning. That's so good. (laughs) But Jessica can't help herself. She's never been so much in love. God. (laughs) When Jeremy tells her he can't go through with marrying Sue, Jessica is ecstatic. My God, he's so smart. But tragedy intervenes when Sue is stricken by a deadly disease. (laughs) I mean, she's already been stricken by it, apparently. Torn by guilt, Jeremy decides he must walk down the aisle. Will Jessica stand by and let Jeremy say, I do? (laughs) The second title in a spellbinding five-part miniseries. Sweet Valley has never been so shocked. I mean, I wish they were a bit more shocked, if anything, about this. Like, a lot of people could do with being more shocked. To be honest, <laughs> by a lot of things in this book. <laughs> well, speaking of shocking, there's some shocking pink on the <laughs> truly spectacular cover. Uh, can you describe it, please? Are there words to describe this this image? Uh, 
I mean, I, I, I'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> there must be some. Um, oh God, yes. So it is uh, the wedding, uh, the the beach side wedding that uh, Sue and Jeremy <laughs> have been planning for the last book and a bit. I guess. Mm. Oh, it feels like so oh, long. Just, I know. It's like, uh, were we ever not at this wedding? <laughs> As, so we we have Sue and Jeremy side by side in front of, I guess, the priest who has quite the uh, Elvis hairstyle. He's he's a young looking, he? very young looking priest who looks like he's wearing a black suit. None of this is very priesty, I would say. Yeah. Well, now there's like, what religion is he? This is is up for debate. I, I mean, look, it's all it's all very question marky, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, so... Maybe other religions have young priests. He definitely can't Maybe. be a Catholic one. Yeah, doesn't mm. seem likely. Um, <laughs> so, well, yeah, look, we have Sue and Jeremy, uh, and then the, <laughs> Sue's two bridesmaids, her teen bridesmaids, uh, <laughs> uh, Jessica and Elizabeth are standing beside them as well. So, and in fairness, actually, Jess and Liz are wearing the dresses as described in the books, which we always love to see they um, really are very so specifically they are, they are indeed the uh peach sheath dresses uh that uh <laughs> that we were teased with last time around matching shoes as well lovely uh and like pearl necklaces so liz has her hand on jessica's shoulder who's looking across forlornly at the uh the ceremony oh taking gosh. place sue's dress actually looks quite nice um mm-hmm. it's kind of it's got that kind of um Oh, what do you call it? Like an asymmetrical hem? Yes. Kind of oh, a handkerchief hem. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the handkerchief hem, but I think she could pull it off. But look, for a dress on the cover of a Sweet Valley High book, oh, Christ, it could have yeah. been so much worse. Good, good point. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got a, some nice lace detail across the top, uh, kind of little, little tiny cap sleeves. Uh, she's wearing what looks like a flower crown as well. She has short brown oh. hair, which puts Paige to the theory that it was her uh, smooching Jeremy on the cover of the last book. True, true. Yeah. Uh, and Jeremy is standing beside her and for the most gorgeous guy that Jessica has ever seen breathed near, smelt, whatever <laughs> qualifiers were the last time around. I'm not seeing it, Jessica. <laughs> what is that, the story? Because like, really, all this hassle for this guy? Uh, I mean, I don't want to tempt you into spoiling Succession, but he does look like a kind of ugly Alexander Skarsgård. Oh my God. He's like <laughs> the lost Skarsgård brother that they just keep in the attic. <laughs> oh, there's about 25 Skarsgård brothers. So yeah, he could quite conceivably be one of a, 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 a lower rung, lesser Skarsgård. Yeah. I can totally see what you mean, though. Definitely around the face. His haircut is, Jesus, I don't oh. know. It's, it's, it's that of a young Nazi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow belongs to me very tomorrow belongs to me <laughs> um, like look they were never going to manage to make him the most gorgeous guy ever because they've rarely pulled off actual good looking boys oh, on the cover they could have tried <laughs> but it's like Come on. they just didn't even bother trying <laughs> oh god so yeah I mean for someone who is described very early in this book as a magical hunk this is not that uh, <laughs> Just going to say as well, Jessica is being as unchill and as blatantly obvious on the cover as she is throughout this book. Mm, yeah, because, you know, oftentimes, you know, the covers won't, don't, you know, the, the setting might be quite uh-huh. right, but there'll be something like, yeah, where it'll just be a bit too over the top because, you know, it has to be for the cover for the drama. But yeah, she is literally as unsubtle 
this. In fact, she's even more unsubtle, I would say, in the book than she is on the cover. It's she is amazing that she's managing to keep her feelings a secret because uh, <laughs> her face sure isn't. <laughs> I have to say that everybody around her is just dim, especially yeah. God love her, Sue. Oh, Sue, I just, <laughs> it gets to a certain point where you're just like, is she just willfully ignoring mm. very obvious signs or what's happening? But I was getting was... a bit worried about Sue, to be honest. Honestly, um, how, yeah, look, <laughs> we'll just have to get into it. <laughs> well, as we are splitting this book into uh, into two episodes, next week we will not, we will describe the, the UK and Ireland cover but I think we might also uh, have to describe Cressida Burton's latest amazing tableau because oh it God. is truly extraordinary. So you, you have a treat Just... in store, listeners. <laughs> Go and check her Instagram to to have a look. <sighs> well, <Good. laughs> we, we begin this book exactly where we left off with Jessica and Jeremy canoodling in the bushes. I'm told uh, Jessica was happier than she'd ever been. Oh God, like, oh Jesus, these, I just, I forgot how stupid this was at the end of the last book, because how big are these hedges? They have, <laughs> how big is this garden? Truly, they have, like, if we remember from the end of the last book, they literally danced their way <laughs> off the dance floor and into the hedge <laughs> for a bit of a shift. Like, it's so ridiculous. But yes, yeah, so we pick up exactly where we left off. Ugh. They are smooching behind some rose bushes in the, mm-hmm. I guess, sprawling grounds of the Wakefield house. <laughs> Uh, somebody's I think at the end as well we could also hear Sue looking for Jeremy uh, because there's a toast going on in the house oh yeah she was looking for him Um, Mm. and we get a full recap of their meeting and we're uh, we're told that when Jessica met him she just thought he was this magical blonde hunk who had appeared (laughs) from nowhere to be with her which I guess is something that just happens all the time to her so she's just like ah yes another magical hunk this seems normal (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeremy, as you might recall in the last book, was initially a bit reluctant to get it on in a bush. But uh, now he's all in and says, you know what they say. Only the fool thinks he has a choice when it comes to matters of the heart. I guess I was being a fool. Mm. Um, and Sue is still calling them and coming nearer. But Jessica refuses to let go of him. I imagine she's just clinging on like a baby koala. Oh, completely. Yes, very that. And she will probably also give him chlamydia. So there's that as well. <laughs> Well, there's somebody. One of them has chlamydia, no doubt. Not that I'm shaming having chlamydia. (laughs) It's just a koala joke, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, meanwhile, Liz is distracted as Enid eats from the sushi buffet. And I I just, every time I saw a reference in this very long party uh, sequence to somebody eating from a unrefrigerated sushi on a hot California night when the sushi seems to have been sitting out for about two hours. I just, I felt a bit queasy, as they no- doubtless did later on. Um, it's very concerning, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Liz can't see Jessica and is rightly concerned because um, we're told Elizabeth was accustomed to Jessica's outrageous behaviour, but getting involved with an almost married man really took the cake. Mm-hmm. Um we get a twin comparison, um, which is just sort of the usual. And then Liz heads to the garden and go, her search for the the scandalous couple is presented as concern for Jessica. Like she's determined to do anything to keep her sister from being hurt the way she'd been hurt in London. Like Jessica does not deserve any sympathy. No, I mean, it's she. Jessica is fully out of her mind. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's so out of her mind. Like she is terrifying. And um, like when Liz finds them, just literally pulls them apart. I'm surprised she doesn't spray them with a hose. I mean, that probably would be necessary were she any seconds later. Uh but yeah, it's really weird when she does find them because like she kind of she scolds the pair of them. Um <laughs> And she's, you know, she points out that there are 70 people in that house, including your fiance, Jeremy, who are here to celebrate your wedding. Then she wipes the lipstick off Jeremy's mouth, which is such a weird, like, kind of intimate thing to do to, like, this guy who's scoring your sister and is engaged to the girl in the house beside. Like, it's very weird. Yes, <laughs> it is. Uh, and like she pulls the shoulder, shoulder strap up on Jessica's dress. Like what sort of state are they in? It just, <laughs> just feels really weird, as you say. It does. I mean, at least pulling up her sister's strap, that's fine. That's your sister. But the fact that she actually reached out and like wiped his mouth, I'm just like, yeah. why are you touching his face? Stop it. <laughs> I presume she had a napkin or something from the sushi buffet. <laughs> She's just rubbing California roll into his face. <laughs> well, Jeremy does at least feign guilt as well. He fucking might. But Jessica doesn't give a fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah, she just gets mad at Liz uh, because this is their business and nothing to do with her, apparently. But Liz then quite uh, angrily points out that actually this is Sue's business and their parents' business. And apparently the business of every guest inside that house who brought a gift for Jeremy and Sue. Um, So, yeah, she's just she is taking this very badly as well. She might. And Jessica just gives out to her and is like, oh, ever since you got back from London, you've been a total control freak. Um, And she kind of has a dig at her as well about all her (laughs) her, um, self-help pop psychology yeah. books while she's at it. <laughs> well, the gormless Sue turns up and is like, oh, Jeremy, it looks like you're having your own party out here with these two pretty girls and puts her arms around the twins' waist. Like, this is just such an odd dynamic. It's so weird. <laughs> like, because by the sounds of it, like Jeremy and Jessica were absolutely disheveled. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to fall into that bush. But like, yeah, Sue does turn up and is just so weirdly oblivious that she is just like excited and kind of like, there you guys are. It's like you really don't sense any kind of weird tension here at all. Like Sue is just not reading any rooms ever. (laughs) Actually, again, I'm just worried about how incredibly oblivious she is because Mm. it's... Jessica makes no attempt to hide her feelings <laughs> and her antics. Um, and because Liz is like, she must suspect something because it's like so fucking weird. Um, but uh, Liz is the only one, is the one who has to sort of come up with a cover story and says they're looking for more flowers to decorate the house. Um, and Sue's like, oh, that's very nice. But I have to introduce Jeremy to the really <laughs> peculiarly <laughs> named clergyman. Father Bishop. It's like they were just kind of covering all their bases, not really sure what a priest should be called. So just go with Father Bishop. It kind of, you know, it's a couple of things in one. <laughs> and when they said Father, I was like, oh, okay. Is he Catholic? Because I know yeah. like some Anglicans and like Episcopal clergymen do sort of, you know, the really high church kind. Okay. But I call themselves father, the ones who are sort of, you know, bit into the smells and bells and Catholic stuff. But I mean, uh, <laughs> Protestant listeners uh, do, or people who are brought up, um, 
do let us know uh, because you know we've got the cathedral, we've now got Father Bishop, we've got it's the... like all this all this stealth fucking religion has been going on. Never <laughs> mentioned. No one ever told us about. No, <laughs> and, and we know quite some of you are fascinated by it too. So share your theories. <laughs> um. So uh, yeah, he's going to marry them, and uh, Liz looks as Jessica as she says. Um, He's going to marry you because you are getting married since you're engaged and all. You two lovebirds just go on ahead. And uh, the couple go in and Jessica's basically like, oh, don't you fucking start. <laughs> um, and says that Jeremy is just doing his duty by um, by Sue. And oh, like poor Jeremy. And this is like, what the fuck? What about poor Sue? And she does remind Jessica of the age difference. Thankfully, somebody does. Yeah. So she just says, look, you, you clearly haven't thought this through because this is such a huge gap. But Jessica's like, you know, sometimes in life you can't think, you can only feel. And what I feel now is I'm totally crazy about Jeremy. Uh, and apparently, yeah, now that he's finally admitted, he feels the same way about her. There's nothing that can stand in their way because they're meant to be together. So she's like, just leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, well, Alice calls them in because it's time for the toasts. And Jessica's like, oh, no, I'm staying out here. It's like, again, this would all look so weird and obvious. <laughs> But Sue drags her in and says she has to start facing reality. And uh, we're told this is this is the actual word they use for Jessica to describe Jessica's thoughts. Says, not if I have anything to do with this Jessica scheme. I did That's... like that use of schemed, I must say. <laughs> it's like, yes, there's no other way to put it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're told uh, she didn't fall out, set out to fall, oh, fall in love with a you know engaged man. And it's not her fault, but now it has. It's too late to stop our love from running its natural course. And if nature needs a little coaxing, I'll just have to do whatever I need to do to keep it moving terrifying delusional yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying and delusional could be Jessica's motto in our <laughs> book she gets her own family crest yeah. <laughs> well I mean she starts demonstrating it a second later because Alice gives a toast and she mentions her of course her old pal Nancy Sue's mm. uh, mother and says that you know Nancy would agree with her that Jeremy and Sue are meant to be together. And then she's wrong. Jessica said under her breath loud enough for Elizabeth who was standing next to her to hear. He and I are meant to be together. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. So Liz obviously is kind of panicked hearing this because like Jessica <laughs> is saying these words out loud. <laughs> And there's 70 people at that party who are now indoors and you're telling us that only Liz can hear this like this outburst because I don't believe that. How how has nobody noticed? A question that I asked many times um, while reading this book. Honestly. So we're reminded that when Nancy died, Mrs. Wakefield stayed in bed crying for days because, again, that's the, you know, very childish view of mm. all big adult emotions that is very evident throughout this miniseries and Liz of course knows her mother would be horrified if she knew about Jessica's obsession and um, she tells Jessica to shut up but because she's sitting there monologuing <laughs> while this is going on and tells her she's losing all sense of reality and uh, Jessica says I have never had a better sense of reality than I have at this moment Jessica said as her eyes shone brightly and she looked directly at Jeremy I can't remember the last time I felt so awake and aware of my feelings the only thing standing in our way is Sue 
sometimes I wish she would just disappear. Liz is like, that's a horrible thing to say. And again, this conversation is happening in a crowd of people. <laughs> and I just can't help picturing people standing beside them, just eyeballing the pair of them going, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> just like slowly edging away from the two of them because they want no part of this. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I can't believe that Jessica has any friends left. Um, and mm-hmm. actually, in fairness, the only one that's really oh no, Amy does men- is mentioned. I was going to say mm. the only one that's mentioned these days is Lila, but um, yes, Amy is still alive. Uh, <laughs> but Liz tries to remind her that you know this isn't the first guy she was in love with. Reminds her she was saying the same thing about Robert Pembroke. What about Sam and Aaron and the other dozens of guys? And Jessica says this is different because except for Sam, everyone before Jeremy was a child. Robert was a literal adult. Oh God, he was. Like he was also like a concerning couple of years older than her to the point Uh that it was like, step away from the teenager. Because like, I don't know, did he ever find out she was only 16? No, because she was trying to hide it. Remember, she was like, Trying to imply they were college students yeah. doing an internship. Um, <laughs> well, she's like, I was a child for the first time in my life. I feel like a woman. And Liz rightly says, you're only 16. And Jessica's like, oh, don't stop saying that. Age has nothing to do with love. Again, this is such a terrible message for teenagers to read. Mm. Oh, it's very grim. Yeah, like because Jessica is really just hitting this like AJ, nothing but a number yeah. kind of thing. And it's like, no, Jessica, absolutely oh, yeah. not. Then she's like, look at Romeo and Juliet. They were like 13 or 14. It's like, how is that your example? Yeah. <laughs> she keeps coming back to it. And I guess in fairness to her, she is very young and it is such a childish thing to yeah. use as an example, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, Liz tries to make her see reason again, but Jessica's just not budging. And uh, we're told this time Jessica was so adamant it scared Elizabeth. She'd never seen Jessica so serious about anything in her life. I mean, it's scaring me. So <laughs> it's don't very concerning. This. It really is. And again, this is all happening while there's a toast going on. <laughs> well, speaking of toasts, Alice now says, my daughters would like to say a few words on behalf of the happy couple. And Jessica continues with her loud <laughs> asides. <laughs> She just goes, not this daughter. <laughs> she says it loud enough to get a dig in the ribs from Liz. Uh, but she does point out like you hardly expect me to give a speech right now. And it does seem like the twins have just been suddenly told now they're making a toast and they weren't aware of this. Oh so my God. Alice, why? Why? Just why? Oh, I so many why questions not. for Alice. Yeah. Most of my notes are just why. But <laughs> 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 anyway, Liz has to uh, take the hit. So she's like, oh God, what am I even going to say? You know, she does think to herself, I'd like to propose a toast to my sister, Jessica, who has fallen in love with Jeremy. So of course, <laughs> she has to actually just uh, get this over with. So she, um, her voice is even shaking as she's doing it, but she does propose her toast to Jeremy and Sue. Uh, and then she kind of turns to Jessica uh, to smile at her as if this is like a shared toast. But uh, as she turns to her sister, it turns out that Jessica is running out of the room and up the stairs. She is out of here. (laughs) Elizabeth is horrified and tries with all her might to force a giggle and says, please excuse my sister. She's not used to drinking champagne and starts saying, we all feel as if Sue is a new sister and Jeremy will be a new brother. And they just hear the door upstairs slamming. Like again, how has nobody noticed? How has Alice not taken her aside? Honestly, like it's so clear that Jessica is up to something and stuff is going on here. Oh. <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> she's, not, she's not making any attempts to hide. No, none. 
So later, Stephen notices that Liz is, you know, clearly really bothered by something. Mm. And she realizes she just can't handle Jessica alone. And obviously, you know, another sibling um, is the, is the best uh, support. So mm. she reveals all, but Stephen just brushes it off. And it's just like, like, he lists, you know, he takes her, he listens to the whole thing carefully, but yeah. he's like, look, Jessica's fallen a little more times than Elizabeth Taylor. It doesn't mean <laughs> anything. And this is like, no, this is different. And this says it's it's like a disease. <laughs> oh God, yes. She says that it's like a, a love addiction because apparently she was reading about it in a book called Love, Addiction and Obsession and How to Overcome It. Uh, so she goes on this big fucking rant about women who get addicted to men and it's like a physical disease like alcohol or drug addiction um, and Stephen is like you don't need a book to understand Jessica she's always been like this <laughs> like it's just and he kind of points out that look even if she is as you say love addicted or whatever there's nothing you can do about it you're not responsible mm. for her actions um, so like just you know this isn't a disease and you just need to not worry about it it's mm. not up to you to like rein her in and control her behaviour but of course Liz just doesn't see it that way because she just feels like Stephen isn't taking this seriously. And in fairness, he isn't because Jessica has seen firsthand that, uh, or sorry, Liz has seen firsthand hmm. that Jessica's been like throwing wedding dresses under trucks and <laughs> like just dressing up in the wedding dress. Like, I can't remember if she told Stephen that, but that should would should have alerted him that she was like, you know. That is next level. That is, <laughs> is we are getting into 90s thriller territory there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Liz heads back to the sushi party where um, she's joined by Enid and Enid also reminds her, look, you can't control Jessica. Um, And uh, we're told, I don't need, I think, I I don't think I need to remind you that your twin sister always manages to get what she wants. Enid said ominously. (laughs) (laughs) Like Enid knows well what Jessica is like. And it's a good point that she makes. And even Liz has to admit that, you know, Jessica does always get what she wants. Uh, but she then thinks to herself that this is one time she just can't. And I'm the only person who can make sure of that. So she's really just taking this on as like something she has to do now to try and keep Jeremy and Jessica apart. Oh, well, I'm glad somebody's trying. Um, <laughs> in fact, do you know what? At this stage, she should tell Alice because Jessica is canoodling with a predatory adult. And... This is, I mean, for that alone, like, yeah, you need to tell an adult who isn't mm-hmm. Stephen because he doesn't understand how serious this is. <laughs> Well, we cut to the beach and uh, it's Jessica who's at the, I guess, altar. Does it count as an altar when it's a beach? Um, (laughs) 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 Jessica's at the sandcastle and um, (laughs) she's uh, about to say I do to Jeremy, but then she wakes up. Uh, For of course, it, it was all a dream. Thank God. <laughs> oh, Christ almighty. Well, um, she's all disappointed until she hears tapping at the window. And then she shrieks. Shrieks, we're shrieks. told. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. But also the fact that they say tapping sound at the window and like their rooms are upstairs. So uh, I'm thinking it's a sort of like uh, Salem's Lot situation. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought as well. Is he just... Floating terrifyingly outside her window. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Is he on stilts? Just <laughs> Is he throwing pebbles? I mean, he's clearly living on the edge mm. uh, because uh, Jessica pulls on a, oh no, I can't describe it. But anyway, she gets dressed and spritzes herself with perfumes and, uh, perfume and says, okay, Jeremy, here I come. And uh, she's like, this is all quite Belinda Blinked, actually. 
Oh my god, it is. <laughs> I said that out loud. It sounded a bit we're the glee team. Come and get us. <laughs> Bella would do very well in Sweet Valley. <laughs> oh, I have to say that Jessica is kind of in Bella territory now. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah, she is uh, she's fantasizing up a storm. Yeah, she thinks to herself that maybe he wants to run away and elope. Maybe he wants to take me away to a tropical rainforest in the Amazon or wherever rainforests are. Jessica didn't know that much about rainforests, but she wanted to learn everything she could about them because Jeremy was so passionate about the subject. Just as I I hear those words, I'm thinking, you'd think all the rainforest chat would remind her of what should be one of the most traumatic nights of her life. The jungle prom. The fucking jungle prom and the trip to Brazil and all of yes. that was so like rainforest centric. And yes. it's just not even thought about. <laughs> it's so weird. Like you just really feel like there'd be such very strong, like visceral connections to the even idea uh-huh. of a rainforest and not a sniff of it. <laughs> no, nothing. Well, Jeremy, who I don't know what the fuck he thought was happening. He's in a music morning. video. He's in a music video from 1989. <laughs> <laughs> He's leaning against his rented white convertible wearing a denim jacket and jeans. Oh and Just... she runs she into his arms. He's like, I had to come. Um, and uh, yeah, he's basically turned up at the house in which his fiance is staying. He's just throwing stuff up at the window, which, to which she sh- is shrieking. <laughs> and he somehow thinks this is like a safe way of getting his uh, teenage prey oh, out of the house. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I just don't even know where to begin. I feel like we're going to end up doing that a lot in this episode just going ah, oh god <laughs> just why oh but jessica uh, runs into his arms and reveals that she was just dreaming about him that they were standing on a beach and the sun was setting but she leaves out the part that it was their wedding day she even thinks that he's <laughs> up at that stage that might be pushing things a little too much so she does know that there's a line there somewhere <laughs> She's there's some things that she thinks that even she knows are just like, oh, don't want to scare him off. Yeah. But uh, her true feelings are always terrifying. Amazing. And he's like, then you must be a mind reader because we're going to see the sun, but it's going to be rising. And we're going to the water, but it's like a lake, not the ocean. This is very convoluted, Jeremy. And most importantly, it won't be a dream. It really is. They are, as my notes say, they are outside the fucking Wakefield Casa. Like, oh, he's kissing her. <laughs> Anybody could just get up. It can't be that early and look at a window. Yep. And he is just uh, shameless and also really fucking stupid. <laughs> because no sooner should they pull away from each other to get in the car, who should pop out? Why, it's Sue. Uh, she, she jumps out of the house I guess she's like what a wonderful surprise apparently she couldn't sleep and she was thinking what a magical sunrise we're about to have so she's like let's go to Second Lake and watch it together so Jeremy of course absolutely caught here is like yeah I was just thinking the same thing so Sue then spots Jessica and she's like oh you're up awfully early and she goes oh let me guess you've been out all night with Bruce because of course as far as Sue is concerned Jessica is with Bruce Batman after their fake date at that fancy 
carousel restaurant. <laughs> so that's what she thinks is happening here. So Jessica's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I was I was out with Bruce. So she's like, oh, don't worry. I won't say anything to your parents. Um, But like she's then like, oh, I'm so glad that you're with Jeremy. This is such a perfect opportunity for you and Jessica to get to know each other better. What the fuck? And like... then incredibly, because we didn't know this, she says, I just noticed for the first time how alike you two look. You really look like you could be brother and sister. <laughs> Oh my god! This is horrendous. <laughs> like, no wonder Jessica's obsessed with him to the, like a, a crazier level than anything else because he's her. So <laughs> she she loves how she looks like more than anything else. So it makes sense that she's obsessed with the boy version of herself. Well, I mean, there's this is like uh, a I don't know a psychotherapist's dream because mm. we're told Jessica had actually thought about how much they looked like each other except for those dark eyes and those gorgeous well-muscled shoulders he could almost be her twin oh. which only proved further that they were made for each other no <laughs> I mean I'm sorry you literally just said he could be my very close blood relation which obviously means we're made for each other heck what in the flowers in the attic is going on here <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and she thinks we're each other's perfect ha- other half. But then it really irked her, though, to hear Sue say they were like brother and sister. I mean, you literally just said he could be your twin. What do you think that would make it? <laughs> there isn't a single like consistent line of thought, I don't think, in this entire book. Oh, <laughs> nothing. And uh, Jessica's tempted to blurt out the truth about her, Jeremy, especially when Sue uh, is like, oh, your dress is so cute. Doesn't she look adorable? And uh you know, because Jessica hates the way Sue seems to treat her like the child she is. And... <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> <laughs> but Je- Jeremy says they have to go to catch the sunrise. And insanely, Sue says Jessica has to come on their romantic date and won't take no for an answer, she says. I just, I, I really don't, like, I know... You know, some people don't really pick up on vibes and that's fine, but it just seems so obvious that there's a weird tension between <laughs> Jessica and Jeremy and Sue keeps just like finding them together and just <laughs> never has the tiniest hint of suspicion that anything weird or untoward is going on and it's just I mean Sue open your goddamn eyes please also why are you inviting these six this 16 year old on your romantic dates like it's just getting creepy it really is it's so bizarre like even if she was your younger sister why the fuck would you bring her along on your sunrise date exactly. like, none, of this, none of this makes sense because she's like Jessica does not want to go but Sue insists and it's like you have to come it'll be fun and Jeremy will be both of our dates oh god little does she know <laughs> well they head off and Sue's like oh I, you know, this is all so beautiful I don't think I've ever seen such a beautiful sunrise in New York and Jeremy jokes about the grit and grime of New York City like it doesn't have a massive fucking park right in the middle like you would think <laughs> they lived down a mine um, and Jessica this sort of really makes it, it hits home to Jessica that they have a whole life together in New York and uh, she feels like you know she's just their little sister tagging mm. along in the back like yes Jessica yeah <laughs> Hold on to that feeling because you are 16, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so Sue and she's, oh, yeah, sorry. She locks eyes with with Jeremy in the mirror and mm. somehow this makes her feel better. Um, but Sue gushes about the engagement party. And Jessica, again, bizarrely, is trying to sort of hint at 
Jeremy to confess all. Oh, yeah. Uh, she kind of says to Jeremy, you know, I was wondering if you had a chance to tell Sue about what we talked about last night. And Jeremy's like, no, 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 not yet. And of course, Sue is like, oh, why? What are you talking about? And Jeremy's like, oh, you know, just something about the wedding. We'll talk about it later. Um, but like, I don't know why Jessica thinks he's suddenly going to blurt it all out <laughs> right now in the car with Jessica in the back seat, or why she'd even <laughs> want that. But she's just like, she's, yeah, she's She's finding it very difficult to see the two of them together because Sue is real mushy, like with Jeremy, yeah. and they start kissing when there's when they're at a red light to the point that like Jessica starts yelling like this is green light. But <laughs> <laughs> well, she's uh, again being as subtle as a brick because when Jeremy's all turning red, looking awkward, and uh, Sue says, "Oh, you know, you two are being awfully secretive. Are you planning some kind of surprise?" Oh, you'll be surprised, <laughs> all right, Jessica said, hoping that Sue would catch the underlying meaning in her suggestive tone. Oh, my God, Jessica, what are you doing? <laughs> Can you imagine how suspicious she is? Like... Dead-eyed stare she's throwing at her. I can just see it. <laughs> Terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, it's totally lost on Zoom, we're told. And, wow, um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the whole thing is just torturous for Jessica. And, um, Sue was when Sue says, "Look, I hope you're feeling better, Jesse," which makes Jessica cringe, and she's like, well, "What are you talking about?" And Sue was like, "Oh, I remember when I was about your age and I had champagne for the first time. I couldn't handle it, um, because of course that was the mm, cover story the for cover. Jessica swooning <laughs> around, slamming a door." <laughs> Yeah, so Jessica gets a bit, she's annoyed. Well, she's annoyed about everything, but uh, this in particular, because it's very condescending coming from Sue. And she does point out that, you know, it wasn't that long ago that you were my age. You are only two years older than me, after all, uh, because she's really sick of Sue just acting like this real, like, like, I'm a grown woman and you're not type of thing. Um, But like, yeah, Sue then points out that, you know, she just feels older than her age because when her mother died, she felt like she'd aged about 15 years. Mm. And she's like, you know, I hope you never feel that way like I do. But Jessica's like, if I'm supposed to feel sorry for her, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just not having it. <laughs> um, so then she says, actually, you know, I'm still feeling sick. Would you mind terribly? We just turned around and went back home. And they fucking do. They just dump her at the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah so the whole drive was pointless basically and they no one got to see a sunrise in the end no. and Jessica's happy they won't see that sunrise and thinks in fact you won't ever see any sunrises or sunsets together if I have anything to do with it which entirely sounds like she's going to kill them this oh fully sounds like <laughs> this girl is planning a murder <laughs> So uh, they arrive back at the casa and um, they say they all went to the lake, though they didn't actually make it to the lake. And uh, Liz makes a crack about, I mean, it must be extremely weird for them to all turn up at like six o'clock in the morning or whatever time it is. But uh, anyway, no one seems to think it apart from Liz. (laughs) And she makes a crack about Jessica being a third wheel, which doesn't go down well. And then Alice serves uh, waffles and insanely says they should have a waffle competition like Alice you've done no work for this wedding and now you're trying to have waffle competitions yeah she basically instigates a fucking bake-off or something in the Wakefield house for 
for absolutely no reason. And we are days away from the wedding at this point. And she's like, hey, why? what if during this time before the wedding, everyone takes turns making their favorite recipes? And I kind of thought this was going to maybe lead somewhere. But yes. like, it's literally there. Nothing comes of this whatsoever. They just every so often someone's eating fucking cake that somebody made. And it's like, <laughs> there was no need at all for any of this. No, I mean, this book is very long. So yes. they did not need any extra, you know, D plots or Z <laughs> plots, to be honest. Um, so they have a sort of bonding moment where Ned is like, "You two are part of our family." In the I don't know fortnight you've been staying here, <laughs> and Sue was like, "When my mother died, I felt alone in the world. Now, not only do I have Jeremy, I have your loving, wonderful family. I don't feel alone anymore." And uh, Jessica can't take this gushing. And then Alice says uh, she hopes they'll keep visiting after they're married, but they'll you know have to squeeze into Stephen's single bed together. And Jessica feels sick. And uh, then she, Liz tells her Lila rang. So Jessica takes this as an excuse to ring her favourite frenemy who has news. Yes. Uh, so Lila's all excited on the phone and reveals that her and Robbie got back together uh, the night before at the engagement party. Uh, because, of course, Robbie is Jeremy's best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he and Lila are together, but he had pretended he was really rich and then <sighs> Lila found out he wasn't. And we are like immediately retconning their story. Because the book tells us that Lila found out that uh, rather than being rich, Robbie was actually a poor artist and she'd been furious. It wasn't that she cared so much about the money. What upset her was that he lied to her. It was fully about the fact that he had no money in the last book. Jessica had yes. to talk around to realising that actually it was the lie that has been that had been bothering her. Like, But for, as far as Lila was concerned, it was because he wasn't rich. <laughs> yes, exactly. And speaking of Jessica, she's uh, she's pissed off um, that, Je- that Lila is happy. So she decides to shitster. We're told that Jessica was accustomed to being the one with a successful love life. And that was how Jessica preferred it. <laughs> so he basically says, oh, just occurred to me, Rory's probably interested in you just for your money it's so mean like so she is just she's annoyed at everything and she is taking it out on Lila and it is lousy Um, but Lila does point out like that is a really mean thing to say like why would you think that somebody you know wouldn't like me for who I am Uh, but you know it's obviously after striking a nerve with Lila um, but uh, yeah she Lila kind of hits back then and realize, and says you know well at least I'm lucky that my boyfriend's available and not on the verge of marrying someone else and she points out what's going on with Loverboy are you going to be his mistress after the wedding <laughs> because like logically what is the long game here Jessica yeah. <laughs> also I cannot believe they had the word mistress, mistress. <laughs> <laughs> that's way too sexy a concept for Sweet Valley <laughs> and we're told mistress the sound of it said to chill up and down Jessica's spine if Jeremy me thinks Jessica Wakefield is mistress material then he doesn't know Jessica Wakefield she totally fucking is mistress material Jessica Wakefield <laughs> is mistress written all over <laughs> like she routinely steals people's boyfriends so I don't yeah. know how she thinks that she is not someone that could be seen as a mistress <laughs> exactly well she says I won't play second fiddle to anyone and she won't be you know like the women at the primal women's seminar and she says I'm gonna <laughs> 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 so fucking stupid I'm gonna be numero uno or let's arrivederci Jeremy oh god and then uh, Lila asks him what she's gonna do and uh, gets quite a nice dig in Oh, it's incredible. So she's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Are you going to throw Sue under a truck like you did to her wedding dress? A life sentence might be an obstacle to your relationship with Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, Jessica does not have a plan yet. I guess she she isn't seriously considering the truck thing, but she totally not. would fucking do it. <laughs> I would not put it past her. <laughs> so she says both she and Lila need to stand up for their for themselves with the men in their lives. Mm. We cut to elsewhere in the casa and Jeremy and Sue are opening their frankly ridiculous presents. Um, yeah, so I guess everyone that went to the party gave them an engagement presence. And like, none of these people know them, but they still have to buy them presents. Like, it just feels like a scam, to be honest. But well, um, <laughs> but this particular present they're opening is apparently from Jeremy's parents who are in Australia. Uh, and they have sent them, <laughs> they have sent them matching sweaters with koalas on them. <laughs> His and hers matching koala sweatshirts. I, okay. <laughs> like, from his parents that's their wedding present how about a flight back for the wedding lads oh. no <laughs> also he has to look for a car through the box for a card to find out who sent them <laughs> like oh yeah it's my parents who are in Australia like how many friends in Australia do you have who would send you such dorky fucking wedding presents <laughs> um so uh, Jessica just keeps thinking of Lila's words and wonders mm. is is Jeremy thinking that Jessica will be his mistress and uh, Sue wishes Jeremy's parents could make the wedding and Stephen asks where they are as well he might yeah he's like why are they in Australia uh, and Jeremy says they're on a world tour for a, a year because apparently um, his dad as long as he can remember his dad was always planning to travel the world once he retired uh, and they wanted to come for the wedding, but he insisted they just enjoy their trip and they'll celebrate when they get back. But like, well, it's... What, I, um, why is this wedding so urgent? Like, it's happening so quickly. His fucking parents can't come. Her best friend can't come. Like, they're having it in California for no real reason. Just, yeah. how horny are they? Like, <laughs> we, we were told horn. they had to get married just you know because they couldn't control themselves exactly, yes because the horn was too much um, <laughs> but then the next president they open does in fact allude to the horniness <laughs> can you tell us what it is oh my god god Yes, because Sue opens the present and says, look at these gorgeous satin sheets from the Fowlers. I adore satin. And Jessica is nearly sick because she's like, the idea of them together on those pink satin sheets gave Jessica a sick feeling. And like, yeah, fair. It's basically like, here's some weird slippery sheets for all the riding you're going to do. <laughs> Jeremy and your barely legal bride. <laughs> all just so seedy <laughs> it won't get, and it's gonna get more seedy listeners worryingly so uh, then Sue unwraps a serving platter but she's disappointed it's pewter and not silver and Jessica's mm. like oh look at her with all her you know noble environmental ways but she's clearly some sort of snob <laughs> so Jessica sneaks off to the kitchen and Jeremy follows her and is like, hey, beautiful. And says it's torture being in the same room as her and not like embracing her. Mm -hmm. And Jessica pretends she feels the same way. But actually, she fucking loves the forbidden love bullshit. This is the thing. because she, And she really does flip flop a lot between like being absolutely furious and not even able to look at Jeremy and then being delighted that they have this like sexy secret together. Yeah. So she's very inconsistent in how she feels about all this. But at the minute, uh, she does say to him, yeah, look, we can't keep sneaking around behind everyone's back. Uh, but then, yeah, secretly is loving the idea of like his fiance sitting like in the next room with no idea what's going on. Um, yeah. 
But uh, but Jeremy then tells her that he's taking Sue out um, to a movie that night. And then when he drops her off back at the house, he's going to blow the horn, drive down the street, wait at the end of the block. So then she can sneak out of the house and meet him in the car. And she's like, all right. And then what? And he said, then we'll go where we can be alone somewhere. And like Jessica is thrilled with this, even though she was just a minute ago being all like, I'm not going to be his mistress. I need to be number one. And now she's like delighted to be sneaking around like with all of this. No consistency whatsoever. Um, Also, yet another little scheme from Jeremy that is very easily uh, like find outable because Jessica is going to be leaving the house that Sue has just entered. It's just none of this is well thought out. Like no one's being subtle. It's just it's amazing that Liz is the only one that knows what's going on here. Oh, so I mean, seriously, how many times were my notes said like, how has nobody noticed this? (laughs) (laughs) So later she tries on potential outfits for her date in front of Liz. But Liz is more concerned with her self-help book about love addicts and, you know, how Mm. uh, it's basically a woman will overlook the fact that a the object of her of her obsession is with somebody else and she can't see the reality of a situation and it's like an alcoholic who needs another drink even even if he knows drink will ruin his life um and uh jessica just doesn't give a shit about this she wants to borrow liz's tight jeans but liz isn't going to do anything to help jessica's uh cheating ways and uh we're told she's got a little plan yeah apparently liz has a plan to keep Jessica from leaving the house that night but she needs to keep up the front of being concerned about it because she keeps insisting that she's not having anything to do with this and she's not uh-huh. going to enable Jessica in any way so her wardrobe is off limits basically she's yeah. not going to uh, to furnish her with any sexy outfits whatsoever um, but then Jessica gives out to her and she's like well uh-huh. you know you're not so perfect yourself and you know seems to me like you were practicing a little deception yourself in London if I remember right have you confessed uh-huh. all to Todd in a letter I don't think so um, so she's like you know don't be going around making judgments about people when you know you're basically fucking up in your own life <laughs> as well but uh, Liz explains that this is why she's so into all her self-help books at the minute because she's rediscovering herself and learning why she let herself lose control so it doesn't happen again so she's like and this is why you should read this book about love addiction love addiction, so you don't lose control with Jeremy <laughs> and she does feel guilty because she knows she should tell Todd about Luke when he gets back from his grandmother's house but you know she doesn't want to hurt him and also she's scared he's going to break up with her and <laughs> we're told he you know we never understand how he she and rightly so how she could have gotten so involved with somebody else when everything had been so good between them before she left we're told it was totally out of character for her to have done something like falling in love with another guy especially with the psycho who, th- who thought he was so fair <laughs> You know, these things happen. Who among us has not not fallen for the wrong guy? Who thought he was a werewolf? You know, it happens to the best of us. True. But I guess it is a bit out of character for Liz. Um, (laughs) Liz, who has been constantly cheating on Todd for the last several many books, I guess. My God. Well... You ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to the pair of them cheating. I'll tell you, listeners. So uh, Liz thinks, how can I judge Jeremy and Jessica if I'm guilty of the same thing? And it's not really the same. It really isn't. Like, this is very different. (laughs) So later, Jeremy toots his horn. And (laughs) Jessica, who we're told has gone for the casual look. Uh, runs out and she decides she's going to tell uh, Jer or she's she's about to run out and she decides she's going to tell Jeremy he just has to choose between her and Sue. Mm. But then she has a discovery. 
Well, she tries to open her bedroom door only to find that it's locked. So she rushes to the bathroom door that connects hers and Liz's room. And that's locked as well. So Liz has locked her into her bedroom to keep her from her date with Jeremy. It's amazing. A power move by Liz. And I'm oh, here for it, to be honest. Same, but sadly, the power doesn't uh, last that long because Jessica... I don't think I'd be able to do this, but she picks the lock with a bobby pin mm. and uh, she runs down. And of course, she runs right into Sue, who has literally just been dropped off. And oh, for God's sake. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Gormless Sue, the biggie, just mm. assumes that Jessica's going to a date with Bruce. And Jessica's like, yes, yes, Bruce. And Sue's like, oh, you're adorable. And... Uh, Jessica runs off down the street where I'm sure Jer- Jeremy's white convertible is not subtle, is not, uh, you know, it's not exactly a subtle way to travel. I'm, Look, I'm... He's the least, like, just inconspicuous is not a word in his <laughs> vocabulary, I don't think. <laughs> exactly. So she gets into the car and she's like, oh, we can't keep seeking around, even though we're reminded again, she fucking loves it. Yeah. And uh, he's he says, yes, I know. So she started thinking, you know, a move is going to be made. Mm. Back at the casa, Liz eats cake and reads her love addiction book. And uh, she she uh, she regrets not going further with Jessica. And uh, we're told that she did know that Jessica would eventually figure out how to get out of her room. But uh, Liz just hadn't known she'd be able to do it so quickly. Next time, I'll have to move heavy furniture in front of the door. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. A locked door isn't enough to stop Jessica Wakefield when she's horny. <laughs> So Sue jo- joins her and uh, they have a tedious chat about how they have no willpower around chocolate. Uh, shut up. <laughs> Not the first dodgy reference to food in this book. Mm. And Sue says she just saw Jessica run out to a date and this is like, I, oh my God, what? Because she thinks that, you know, Jessica is uh, like, she knows about Jeremy. But Sue's like, with Bruce. <laughs> And uh, she goes on about her own early dates with Jeremy and how mm. what a great thing it was to meet him. And then she turns into one of the London crew because she says, isn't your beau supposed to be back here soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, since you pointed it out, it just it keeps popping up. And it is such a weird turn of phrase for like just random people to use that aren't elderly dowagers. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But um, yeah, so she asks Liz about Todd and she's like, oh, you must be looking forward to seeing him. And Liz kind of wishes she felt excited like she should be because she's actually kind of dreading his return yeah. because she feels like she has to confess all about uh. her werewolf antics. Um, and she wasn't she isn't really sure if she should tell him or not because she doesn't want to risk losing him. But uh, Sue reckons that uh, when it comes to love, she believes in honesty. So uh, that if she really wants to be with Todd, she has to tell him the truth. Um, but Les is like, Yo, you know, I just don't know if I'll ever be able to trust anyone ever again. Um, and she wants to tell Sue, like, you shouldn't trust yeah. Jeremy. But of course, she can't say anything. Um, <gasps> so then Sue is like, you know, you just be like that because Luke hurt you and you can't go through life like that. And life is about taking risks and falling in love is definitely a risk. And yes, there's a chance your heart might get broken. But, you know, you know what they say and starts fucking quoting fucking tis oh. better to have loved. And like, it's so tedious. Oh, goes but, on for uh, so long. <laughs> it really does. But basically, she's like, just tell Todd the truth. And also yeah. Liz then points out at the end of conversation. Oh, by the way, there's a letter there for you in the hall. And Sue is like, oh, yeah. I saw that that's fine don't worry about it Mm. so Liz is thinking to herself look I should tell Todd everything and if he really loves me he'll forgive me so that's her kind of takeaway from the the convo Mm. 
We cut to La Maison Blanche, where Robbie and Lila are dining in style. And uh, she thinks he's a dark-haired Adonis. <laughs> um, and he wishes he could afford to treat her, but she says she doesn't mind. Um, and she's totally charmed when he orders salad because she's like, oh, look, he's ordering, you know, just the cheapest thing in the menu. But understandably, the house salad is not, an, you know, I'm sure it's just like literally a green salad with a vinaigrette is not enough for an actual meal. And uh, he orders the pricey filet mignon and she's like, oh, okay. Um, and then she asks him about how his paintings are selling and he doesn't seem to care whether they sell or not. Oh my God, yeah, because he's just like, um, yeah, she asks, has he had much success selling them? And he's like, no. So she kind of offers to introduce him to some people that her parents would know um, who'd work in galleries and stuff like that. And then he goes, yeah, to tell you the truth, I'm not really interested in selling my work. And she's like, what do you mean? So he yeah. says that he reckons his art would lose its integrity if he started painting with the idea of pleasing a potential buyer. Uh, and Lila's like, okay, but you don't want to share your work? Like, it seems sad to deprive the world of your talent. And he's like, oh, I don't see it that way. But Lila thinks to herself, <laughs> so you're just going to stay penniless your whole life? Uh-huh. Seems like a bad idea considering your expensive taste. Yeah, he's a hoofing into that filet mignon. And he's, he's loving it. And Lila's kind of like, okay, so you have no ambition whatsoever. What the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we cut to Miller's point where Jessica has taken her hands out of Jeremy's pants long enough to point out a shooting star. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> The romance of it all. <laughs> well, she's old. She's having the time of her life. And Jeremy's all philosophical. And he's like, oh, when I see the stars, it makes me, you know, realise what's important. And Jessica says, I see what you mean. And we're told if Jeremy had said he believed in UFOs, she probably would have said the same thing. She would have agreed with anything he said, as long as she could stay there in his arms. She is fucking tragic. Like... We've been in this same miniseries. She has basically said, I won't do something in case boys looked in a window and saw me. And now yeah. she's like literally agreeing with anything Jessica said or Jeremy says. Like, this is pathetic, babe. She, like, where is her personality? Like, this flashes yes. off it when she decides she's not going to be second fiddle to Sue, but then she just never follows through on any of it. Like, and it's just like, oh, I love all the sneaking around. Like, she's really all over the place with this. And it is a shame mm. that she's not properly Jessica the kind of Jessica that we like at least who you know yes you know does actually stand up for herself a bit more that's the thing and I mean I don't know maybe this whole series is going to conclude with Jessica coming to her senses and like it being that like that episode of Buffy the Halloween one where oh, yeah. she, <laughs> she comes to her senses mid-attack <laughs> but uh, at the moment it's just she's kind of this pathetic obsessive sap yeah you hate to um, see it yeah, I really do. Uh, I mean, it's very entertaining sometimes. So when she's so Jeremy's all we only live once, so we have to do exactly what we want with our lives. And Jessica's like, "Oh, so the, you're that's why you're marrying Sue. That's what you want to do." And he's like, "Oh, well, I did think so, but now it's all different. When I met Sue, she was lonely and lost. She came to do an internship in Project Nature. I said we didn't, didn't need anybody, but she looked like she was going to cry." And Jessica's pretends to be sympathetic, but literally is thinking what she really wanted to say was, "You should have just let her cry." <laughs> She's a big girl. She would have been just fine. But apparently Jeremy couldn't say no to her uh, because she seemed so desperate for the job. Like Sue sounds like an absolute wreck. I don't know how she was hired. Um, but, yeah, he just figured that she was so in need of affection and purpose that he couldn't turn his back on her. So when they when they started working together, uh, he realized, you know, she was really passionate about saving the rainforests uh, and they had this common bond. So they fell in love. 
or at least uh, she did, and he thought he did too. Oh, but then yeah. it's to Jessica that he never really did. Um, <sighs> oh, God, it's awful. So then he's like, you know, I care about it, but it's not the same as, and he stops himself. And Jessica kind of presses him for more. And he then reveals that he was in love with a girl when he was 17, some girl called Justine. And like, basically it didn't work out between them, but oh. he was obsessed with her. Um, and uh, Jessica's like, oh, what happened to Justine? Jessica asked, hoping he'd say she was in a convent. <laughs> Jessica will only be happy if this girl is in a convent or dead. Yes. But, uh, he just reveals that like they just went their separate ways and now she's married with a kid and lives in Alaska. Whatever. It goes into so many details. Like again, oh, it was like when, when Sue last week was talking about her friends. Like, hey, Stacey, you really like her. She's 25 or whatever. Like, just, why? Why are you <laughs> telling us all this? Is she coming to the wedding? Are we going to meet her? No, okay. But basically the point of all this is that Jeremy had this like crazy teenage love uh, for this like Justine girl and thought that maybe it was just because he was so young and he'd never feel that way again. So when he just he agreed to marry Sue because it turns out that it was her that asked him uh, and Jessica's incredulous at this. So he's like, you know, it was a good idea and we made a good team. But now uh, he feels like now that he's met Jessica, he's realized that that crazy teenage love uh, has sparked off again. And it's like, yeah, no wonder because she is a fucking teenager. <laughs> it's so gross. But yeah, he just says until he met Jessica that like he just, you know, he couldn't admit it to himself, but he'd be living a lie if he married Sue. But basically, yeah, Jessica has given him that crazy young love feeling again. So, so this is it for him, apparently. But like Jessica's delighted to hear all this. But then she also points out, well, what are you going to tell Sue? And he does say he's going to tell her the truth. Yeah. Uh, that it would be unfair to her in the long run if you went through with the wedding. So he says he has a load of meetings the following day. But tomorrow afternoon, apparently, he is going to tell her. So yes. Jessica is delighted. She says, of course, I'm sorry for Sue. Jessica lied. But <laughs> <laughs> says how happy this has made her. And then they just shift each other in the car. Yes. He kisses her more passionately than Jessica had ever been kissed before, apparently. Ah. Huh, interesting. And where are his hands? <laughs> <laughs> where are everybody's hands right now? <laughs> you know, we, you know, when it's two two young people of uh, appropriate ages, we're all for them, you know, from the time of their lives of a Miller's point. Not that we wanted them to describe it in detail, but, you know, whatever. Um, but not when it's Jeremy. No, I hate him so much. Ugh. Well, we cut to the casa where Liz is going to bed when she hears crying from Sue's room and she thinks, oh, fuck, uh, he must have told her the truth or, you know, yeah. somehow she's found out. And so Sue, she goes in and Sue's like, I'm fine, but it's <laughs> obviously not true. So Liz just begs her to tell the truth. And she actually thinks, do you know what? I'm almost glad, like, it's better that this Mm. nonsense is out in the open and Sue uh, says yes there is something I need to talk to you about but I want you to keep it a secret especially from your parents and Liz is like oh she's a saint she thinks it's that's too unbelievably kind she doesn't want mom and dad to know about Jeremy and Jessica because she doesn't want to get Jessica in trouble I mean <laughs> I, I love that you think anyone would do that <laughs> I know that anybody is that like yeah, would be that bothered with like protecting Jessica's feelings. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> it. So Liz vows secrecy and hilariously says, actually, I might already know more than you might think. Because again, the Wakefield twins, um, no chill. And Sue says, uh, mm. no, uh, there's no way you can know about this. And, <laughs> um, Liz is like, oh shit, yeah. She doesn't think I know because she thinks that if I did know, I'd have obviously told her. Oh, um, God. <laughs> 
but uh, the news has nothing to do with Jessica and Jeremy because Sue holds up the letter and says it's bad news about me. <gasps> oh my God, yes. So, <laughs> And I, when she says that, Liz still thinks it's about the wedding and Jeremy breaking up with her or something and that maybe he's written her a letter or maybe Jessica has written her a letter. But anyway, Sue eventually reveals that she's, as the book back tagline spoiled uh, oh. she's very very sick and Liz is like oh what, like do you have the flu or something but Sue uh, very sadly reveals that it's much more serious than that because uh, her mother passed away from a very rare blood disease the doctors apparently knew almost nothing about other than it's genetic and there's no cure for it and it turns out that Sue has now been diagnosed with that same disease <gasps> um, so the doctors apparently reckon that she only has two or three years to live but she <gasps> actually has got some properly dead devastating again very soap opera mm-hmm. kind of news here uh, so the drama has been heightened even further uh, and Liz can barely take it in this beautiful young woman who's planning to get married and travel around the world it just couldn't be true so she's like oh my god are you sure maybe they maybe they mix things up or whatever and she's like no no look I was I went through all that denial myself but this is the truth this is what's happening and you know I've, I'm just having to accept it basically and she reveals that she hasn't told Jeremy yet, um, but she's going to tell him tomorrow and tell him that the wedding is off. Um, yeah, apparently she can't. Uh, she she can't do it to him. She can't marry him, knowing I'll only be alive for a short while. He's still young and healthy. He needs a wife who's as full of life as he is. He's just <laughs> in the middle of his career taking off. He's twenty fucking three. It's barely taken off at all. <laughs> <laughs> And she says, I think, which is much more realistic. I'm sure Jeremy, I mean, if it was a normal relationship and he wasn't cheating on her with a child, um, I'm sure Jeremy would rather spend as much time as possible with you, you know, like maybe, and also maybe they'll discover a cure. They have medical Mm. breakthroughs all the time. And she's like, look, I'm, it's really nice that you're so hopeful, but I have to be realistic and I'm going to stick with my decision. And, um, Jessica re- or Liz really wishes she'd reconsider and she so, I mean this is just stupid she's like she believed that if Sue could be happy and realise her dream of marrying Jeremy maybe somehow she wouldn't be sick anymore <laughs> like the Sweet Valley way of dealing with stuff just isn't actually real Elizabeth you can't just will someone into being better or like <laughs> cure yeah. diseases by getting married or being oh. a cheerleader <laughs> I, it's just I. We know a lot about Sweet Valley Medicine, and it is uh, ridiculous. It's, it's vibes based. We have come to realize so based on vibes. But uh, the one thing she thinks that is, I mean, it's not positive, but uh, I guess at least it would get rid of one problem. She thinks that they should keep Jessica away from Jeremy, and thinks there's no way even Jessica would continue to deceive a dying woman. <laughs> You should know better, Liz. Oh, honestly, I, yeah, yeah. I had to laugh when I read that because I was just like, you don't know her at all, do you? <laughs> Willfully don't know her. <laughs> well, later, a blissful Jessica, as my notes uh, typo, uh, a typo in my notes said, Jessica gloats up the stairs. It was meant to be floats, but actually it's still accurate that still works absolutely yeah so she's all yeah on cloud nine after tomorrow Jeremy will be all mine she's thinking to herself dreamily um, and feels like the luckiest girl in the world until she opens the door to her room and finds Liz sitting on looking very cross and saying we have to talk uh, and Jessica's like yeah I know I want to tell you all about what just happened with Jeremy 
Um, but of course, Liz is not having this. Um, but Jessica's like, oh, God, why? What's, what's the problem now? Are you going to give me a ticket for breaking out of jail? Uh, isn't that what you date police do? <laughs> I'm guilty. Arrest me. <laughs> <laughs> and then she puts her hands up in the air. I'm just imagining her being like uh, Phoenix at the end of um, Paddington 2. Being like, go oh, lock me up. You already yeah. have. <laughs> But Liz is all, look, this is serious. You're deceiving a dying woman. And Jessica's like, oh, she's not going to die from broken heart. But Liz reveals all. And uh, Jessica initially thinks she's joking, but then she realizes it's true. And of course, makes it all about her and thinks that uh, she used her magical powers to do this. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I've made Sue sick. I wanted Jeremy so badly. I somehow willed Sue out of the picture. And then thinks that she even did say to Liz earlier on at that party <laughs> that she wished Sue would disappear. <laughs> but I didn't mean I wanted her to die. Jessica had thought in the past that she had psychic powers. Now she believes that all her bad thoughts about Sue were somehow responsible responsible for her so Jessica's inconsolable but of course but because it's all about her now and not the fact that Sue is the one with the terrible diagnosis it's because she has got psychic death powers basically (laughs) yes absolutely that is what's happening oh so when in the past has she thought she had psychic powers oh god I mean apart from the twin tuition yeah, I don't know. Mm, yeah, but we've had no uh, evidence she could control life or death. With no, her. that's true. This is definitely a stretch too far, even for Jessica Whitfield <laughs> and her abilities. <laughs> so she feels guilty for a split fucking second, but this does not last long because Liz says, um, okay, look, it's not your fault. You didn't cause this, but obviously you can't keep seeing Jeremy. And uh, Jessica's like, oh, well, maybe she's lying. Oh my god, like this is so cold. And Liz is horrified. She's like, What are you talking about? Jessica's like, What if she's only pretending to be sick because she doesn't want to lose Jeremy? And she gets all excited about this and her eyes go wide and everything. And she's like, What if she knows about me and Jeremy? And she's afraid he's going to call off the wedding. And this is the only way she can think of to keep him. And Liz is absolutely disgusted by this, which is fully fair because Jessica has just come completely unraveled at this. Like, Liz is actually shaking. She's so angry. So she tells Jessica, You're the most evil, unfeeling, selfish (gasps) person in the world. I can't believe my own sister is capable of such horrid things saying such horrid things about someone who's dying she's like I can't believe you're my sister let alone my twin and Jessica's just like yeah but just think about it <laughs> it's just like no absolutely not she's like and for your information Ms Sherlock Holmes Sue is calling off the wedding so Jessica's like wait whoa what do you mean so she, she uh, explains that you know Sue is so unselfish unlike other people she doesn't want to put Jeremy through the pain of losing his wife so in order to protect her poor deceitful two-timing fiance she's giving up uh, giving him up altogether and calling off the wedding so she's like that kind of blows your horrible theory out of the water so she storms out and slams the door Um, so when Jessica kind of realises this this does actually disprove her theory that Sue was just making it up and fucking munchausening herself (laughs) into a wedding but um she then wonders what's what this means for her and Jeremy because that's more important, of course. But uh, she's not sure what this means for the pair of them. But she's afraid it wouldn't be good. Like, oh, boo! Fucking damn. who? Seriously, Jessica. <laughs> well, on that unhinged note, uh, we're going to take a little break um, <laughs> because. As you know, we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And usually we share another uh, podcast on the network. But this week we're sharing something a little different. 
Yes, it's the podcast studios themselves. Uh, so Headstuff have a lovely state-of-the-art studio uh, in Dublin city centre. It's gorgeous in there. They have lovely, uh, just lovely spaces to, to record your audio for whatever it is, uh, like real show reels and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, what do audio people need? <laughs> it's all really good and high quality. That's all you need to know. So if you are in need of audio recordings or video recordings as well, they do video podcast stuff like as well. It's all yeah. Great. Uh, but yeah, you can have a little listen to the whole uh, deal with the podcast studios here now. The podcast studios is the home of the Headstuff Podcast Network. It's where lots of our shows are recorded and we work on editing, promotion, videos, live shows and lots more. As a podcast production company with three state-of-the-art studios for audio and video in Dublin city centre, we can work with you to tell great stories in a professional and engaging way. From government organisations to charities, arts groups to international brands, entrepreneurs to hobbyists, we've worked with everybody and we can help you to get the word out. Whether you need studio time, you're hosting a live stream or webinar, or you need support with editing or marketing, we can tailor a package for you. For more info, head to thepodcaststudios.ie. And now... Back to Sweet Valley, where we might uh, point out that we do not record this in the podcast studio. The quality there is a lot better. We are recording it (laughs) on Zoom now because our old enemy software, Zencaster, has has basically started making you charge, uh, make you pay money for it. So, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. the podcast studio quality is much, much better than this. And Mm. we will be back at some stage soon. But one reason why we stopped doing it was because uh, our episodes were so long and we would be there (laughs) until the wee hours. We'd actually just be hogging an entire studio for like a full day at this stage. (laughs) So, yeah, it seems fair that we uh, just do it at home. Well, the next day, Liz wakes up all sad about Sue. She's worried about Todd because he's coming home today. And uh, she's so guilty that she cheated on him. And she's like, not only did she have a fling with somebody, but she had shown such poor judgment. How could she explain to Todd that she'd fallen for a crazy English guy who dressed up like a werewolf and killed his victims by tearing out their throats? I mean, you know, that is that is a tricky one. And it's it's very, very hard to find the kind of the, just the right greeting card for that. You know? I mean, it's, it's such a specific sentiment. That, uh-huh. yeah, I understand her predicament here. It's a toughie. Um, so, uh, yeah, she, she apparently when the truth about Luke was revealed, she just, you know, made her realise how much and she loved Todd and how amazing mm. he is. And now she's she gets philosophical. She's all like, why does love have to be so hard? Sue loves Jeremy, but he loves Jessica, who loves him. And I love Todd and he loves me, but I thought I loved Luke. And because of that, Todd will probably stop loving me. Oh, so she's like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed, uh, understandably. Um, but then Todd turns up. Yeah, because Alice calls up the stairs. Um, <laughs> Liz like braces herself for what she's about to say when she reveals Todd's here to see you. So yeah, Liz hops out of bed knowing there's no way to postpone misery, apparently. Uh-huh. <laughs> As we say every time we start recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we cut to the Dairy Burger um, where uh, Jessica and Lila are chowing down on burgers. Um, Apparently, Jessica agreed to meet Lila after she'd given up her idea of trying to find Jeremy. Um, She knew he'd said something about meeting with fundraisers, so uh, he was probably busy, but she drove all over Sweet Valley looking for his rental car. Jessica, please. A grip. You are in need of one. Uh, (laughs) 
terrifying. Honestly. But uh, Lila uh, reveals her scheme. Oh, God, yes. So now that Jessica has gotten this into Lila's head, she... <laughs> Lila has decided she's going to make Robbie think that he's not the only one who's poor, apparently. <gasps> so she's going to test him, basically, to see if he's still interested in her if she's not rich. And Jessica does say, look, I've actually been meaning to talk to you about that. And she does apologize for what she said. And this was like, look, I was really out of line when I said that. I'm sure he really likes you. It was a stupid thing to say. And then it's like, Jessica surprised herself by being so nice to Lila. It's like, you do actually like each other. I feel like they forget every so often, or Jessica certainly does anyway. Oh, well, Jessica is such, a, like, we know we've said she's a sociopath so many mm. times in the past, but really, we did not realise the depths to which she could sink until we read this miniseries. Like, this is just, she's fully unhinged. But anyway, she does kind of pull back on all this stuff where she was basically just sticking a roar into Lila's mm-hmm. relationship and stirring shit. So, uh, but now Lila has it in her head. She's like, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure now. And she's like, you know, he has expensive tastes for a starving artist, basically because he ordered the steak when they went out for dinner. Um. So, yeah, so she says she just won't feel comfortable until she's certain that he's not just with her because... Uh, uh, she can foot the bill. So Lila just has it in her head now and she's on a mission to uh, to test Robbie. <laughs> well, we cut uh, back to the casa where Liz is nervous um, because she was going to tell Todd the truth. She decided when she was getting dressed. But then when she saw him, he was just so hunky that her knees went weak and she just embraced <laughs> him. And they head into the car where Todd blathers on about his fascinating holiday where... He just seems to talk about, like, nonstop about how, again, the book goes into such ridiculous detail. He practiced basketball every day and read every book on his summer reading list. He even went to a nursing home a couple of times a week and read out loud to senior citizens. Oh, what? my God. What? I mean, I guess... I guess he's he's chattering because of a guilty conscience as we're about to find uh-huh. out. <laughs> so maybe that's but, why he's just blabbering away on the whole ride to the beach. But do we have to hear everything he's blabbering? Yeah. It's the reading out loud to senior citizens when we crack up. It's like, <laughs> why are they telling us this? <laughs> well, finally they hit the beach and Liz is like, Todd, you know, I need to tell you something. And Todd is just sort of full of... Um, He's just singing your praises. He also mm. says, every time I got a postcard from England, my heart jumped for joy. What postcards? <laughs> she barely gave that boy a second thought that whole time. <laughs> she nearly wrote him a letter once and then wrote Dear Luke instead. <laughs> she just threw it in the bin and that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, she says like, oh, I missed you, but there's something I have to tell you. I didn't write about it in my postcards. Well, yeah, there's a lot you didn't write about in your postcards because <laughs> you didn't write any. And he says after I tell, oh, she thinks after I tell you, you'll probably never want to see me again. But before she can reveal all, Todd has something to say. Yeah. So he turns to look at her super serious expression on his face and reveals that he met someone that summer. So Liz, it's like she was so nervous about her yeah. confession that she wasn't sure she either understood him or actually heard him right but Todd reveals that apparently there was a girl who lives beside like next door to his grandmother they spent a lot of time together um, and uh, it didn't come close to what uh, he and Liz have together but he still thought she should know about it 
but it ended really badly. Apparently she was pretending to be something she wasn't the whole time. So apparently this girl pretended that she was a big reader, read yeah. all these books. But then when he kind of asked her anything about them, it turned out she hadn't read them. So when it was over, he realized that all he actually wanted was to be with Liz and he missed her so much. He was looking for a temporary substitute. So he apologizes and says it was a terrible mistake. And when it was all over, all I could think about was coming back to Sweet Valley and seeing you. And then Liz is like, she's stunned and thinks, I was right. You can't trust anybody. So she like <laughs> bites her lips so she won't start crying. Goes, how could you? I trusted you. I thought about you the whole time I was in London. And my notes here were just like, ah, Liz, come on now. Because the absolute lies out of her are outrageous here. I would say, what an absolute lie with three ex- exclamation points. I mean, for fuck's sake, the absolute nerve of her. So Todd oh. is so apologetic. He's like, I thought about you the whole time. One thing I promise you, the only one I care about. I know that now more than ever. She's like, what's her name? <laughs> Dad is like, it doesn't matter. It's over. <laughs> like, I don't care if it matters or not. And her voice is all mean and cold. And uh, Todd is just like, please, please try to calm down and see how silly the whole thing is. So he uh, tries to hug her, but she pulls away and she says, I'll tell you what's silly. You and I being together is silly. So she runs away, runs away from Todd without looking back. And just the fucking cheek of her. Oh, my God. Where did she get off? (laughs) I mean, I was just reminded of Blanche from Home and Away, or Home and Away, from Coronation Street in that famous scene where they go to the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting with Peter and uh, Deirdre and Ken's various romances comes out and Blanche goes, they're like a couple of swiggers. (laughs) (laughs) And... Listeners, if you have never seen that scene, it's like a masterpiece of comic writing. Look up Barlow, uh, Coronation Street, <laughs> Barlow's <laughs> AA. Specific reference, oh my God. <laughs> but the, I mean, they are. <laughs> it's true. They 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 get a lot done for, for a pair of 16 year olds. <laughs> I know somebody recently said Todd and Liz should just admit they want to have an open relationship yeah. or break up because seriously, oh they're fucking incapable of monogamy apparently true yeah <laughs> you know which is fine if you've agreed to you mm. know if, if you've got an agreement but if you're going to pretend you're sticking together then Honestly, it's just they're, like they're only kidding themselves yeah they really are well we cut back to the casa where we discover that ingenue lives oh my goodness it's back yes jessica is reading it <laughs> there's a new issue out it's continuing and striving we can only presume uh so she hears jeremy's car pulling up outside the house <laughs> she leaps up from the table and like rushes to the door and then sees sue open it and throw her arms around jeremy of course um but she realizes then that this is the moment she's been waiting for because now he's going to tell sue everything he's done with all his meetings and this is what's going to happen so uh so she's delighted and uh she sees jeremy thinks i'll finally have them all to myself she thought gleefully oh my god so so yeah so she watches as jeremy and sue go into uh, ned's uh study and close the door but like <laughs> as unsubtle as ever she just like presses her ear against the door <laughs> it's like their conversation did concern her after all <laughs> So Jeremy's about to tell Sue because he does say, look, there's something I need to tell you. But Sue stops him and says, well, look, I have something I need to tell you first and I can't wait. So she says, look, Jeremy, I'm calling off the wedding and reveals all about Mm. uh, her terrible diagnosis uh, and that she loves him too much to hurt him like that. 
And to Jessica's horror, Jeremy says he's staying with her till the end, uh, till death do us part. And I'm not going to leave you when you need me more than ever. And of course, he, he she's like, you have to believe you'll get better. Sometimes miracles do happen. That's not hugely helpful. So super yeah. unhelpful, I would say. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but Sue says, I do believe in miracles. It was a miracle that I met you. Mm-hmm. And there's another long silence. And Jessica has the sickening feeling they were either hugging or kissing. She feels like she's just been slapped in the face. Serves her fucking right. Oh my God, the absolute least she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> so she tiptoes back to the kitchen and she peeks out while they, the couple walk out of the study hand in hand. Mm. And... She thinks that Jeremy is like a noble hero, ready to do anything for a damsel in distress. So we cut to the cinema, where Robbie November thanks Lila (laughs) for buying his movie ticket, because apparently he didn't have enough cash. And he says he'll make it up for her. But then she says that she has to talk to him about money. Oh my God. Oh God. Okay. So, (laughs) oh Lila. I mean, this whole thing was silly from the get-go, but I just oh. did not expect this. So <laughs> no, she, to so she, So she thinks to herself, well, you know, he did deceive her. However, he did apologise, but she thinks, you know, but still I need to teach him a lesson. Uh-huh. So she blurts out, Robbie, I'm not wealthy. In fact, I'm probably even poorer than you are. So she tells him, she weaves a story for Robbie <laughs> that she was an orphan. That her parents worked as servants for the Fowler family and both died in a car crash when she was one year old. The Fowlers kept me in their house. (laughs) And as soon as I was eight years old, they put me to work. (laughs) Robbie's like, what do you mean they put you to work? Cooked for them. They had a little girl of their own named Venice, who was a year <laughs> younger than me. So they used me as a playmate for her. Every time we'd play with her toys, I had to clean everything up. She goes on and on about this, how like the family would go on fancy holidays where they go out to restaurants and museums and she would have to wait in the hotel room. <laughs> and that she just used to get Venice's old clothes, even though they were always too small for her. She's like, still, I was grateful for what I got. And I was lucky they took care of me. But, you know, they weren't always very nice to me. <laughs> she like wipes a tear away as she says that, like, they used to send her to bed without any supper. Like, this is absolutely wild. Like, I fully thought Lila was just going to come up with some story about her dad was going to have to file for bankruptcy. Yes. It went bad. And that would be fucking more plausible at least but instead she goes full fucking melodramatic invented orphan mean little girl called Venice (laughs) (laughs) Venice Fowler (laughs) my god the Fowler who never was and I'm obsessed She then goes on and on about how, like, Venice says that they got older. (laughs) Venice would break a vase or make a huge mess. And Lila would always get blamed for everything and get blamed for, like, (laughs) for smoking, even though it was Venice's cigarettes in her her room. Oh, for fuck's sake. So apparently Venice is a boarding school in Switzerland now. Switzerland! Doesn't want to live with her parents anymore. The glamour of it all. And Robbie is so sympathetic he's like I don't know what to say that must have been terrible for you I'm so sorry you had to go through all that and you know I feel terrible that you paid for that dinner like how were you able to get the money for it and Lila thinks to herself oh good question come on think of something quickly (laughs) because she has got no follow-up like 
her this ridiculous story and says that like over the years she was getting a very small allowance and just never spent any of it so she's got a, a few hundred dollars in savings um <laughs> that she used to take him to dinner so Robbie's like oh my god I feel terrible about that I'm so sorry but like he's lovely too where he's like yeah. I see you in a whole other light you know I have so much admiration and respect for you you're a beautiful person <laughs> he kisses her and Lila thinks oh what if this plan backfires on me and he likes me even better being poor <laughs> but like truly Lila what oh. was this <laughs> Venice Venice Fowler. oh my god <laughs> I am obsessed oh Seriously, this is what we before when we were trying to, you know, figure out would we um divide episodes into two, you know, or books into yeah. two episodes. Um you know, we did Karen and I did wonder whether like it would mean that some episodes were kind of dull or nothing much happened to them. But I think we now trust that half of one of these books will have more batshit things than like some of the single entire books in um in the pre-Margot era. Oh like, my god. Like I was just they, telling Anna, like I use little sticky notes to kind of mark points where like either something crazy happens or somebody says something absolutely insane. And honestly, this book is just rammed with tiny little sticky notes because just this whole thing is just completely bonkers. Oh, it would be we've been going for an hour and a half. Now we are coming towards we're we're on the home stretch now. Yeah. Can you imagine if this was a single episode? It would have been ridiculous. <laughs> I think we both would have just expired by the end. Oh <laughs> god. And it's it's getting hot here at the, it's it's the end of May now, so you know, we'd probably passed out from heat stroke oh in our little god. tiny box rooms. Um <laughs> So we cut to the casa where everyone's having dinner and Jessica, of course, needs wants to sneak away and talk to Jeremy. So she asks if anyone has wants ice cream um, and uh, Jeremy takes the hint mm. and says he'll help her. And when they uh, when they go into the kitchen, she's like, so did you tell Sue about us? And <laughs> Jeremy's like, uh, no. And oh, Jessica's God. horrified. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, she's like, how can you walk away from what we have together? And he's like, you know, please understand my situation. You know, how could I live with my with myself if I walked away from her at this like worst time in her life? Um, but Jessica's like, you know, if she knew how you really felt, I'm sure she wouldn't want you to marry her. And he's like, but she'll never know how I feel because I don't want her to. I want her last few years to be free of stress and pain. But Jessica's like, again, she's like, <laughs> you and I love each other. Jessica cried. And like, they are literally in the kitchen while everyone's in. <laughs> The sitting room, <laughs> like oh you're just fully God. having this conversation at top volume. It's ridiculous. It's um, amazing. But Jeremy insists that he has to do what's right and they have to put their feelings for each other aside. And then, uh, you know, and he does point out mm-hmm. that there's a big age difference, that he's 23 and she's 16. And he's like, it wouldn't be right for you to get serious at your age. And she's like, oh, but when I'm with you, I feel like we're the same age. And I don't care oh. who you are. And anyway, he says, look, it's all irrelevant now because I'm going through with the wedding. Um, and that's all there is to it. So, oh God. So he does say that, look, she wanted to call the wedding off, um, but I know she still wants to marry me. Even if she only has a short time to live, I can't deprive her of her final wish. <sighs> and uh, yeah, she uh, she wants the mood to be light and joyful. She doesn't want people mm. to treat her differently. And, exactly. you know, she's strong and courageous. And of course, mm-hmm. Jessica's like, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> yeah. Because she thinks her and Jeremy are soulmates. Yeah. So, uh, 
Like, I don't know. Is she meant to be as unsympathetic as she is? Because she's very unsympathetic. I mean, yeah. God, I don't know. I mean, you can only excuse so much because she is very young. But, you know, at a certain point, it's like, Jessica, you're actually being deranged. Like, what's happening here? The terminal illness part, I would have thought, would have, you know, given a bit of a wake up. You would think that would give her a little bit of perspective. But Uh uh, no, not so much. Well, we cut to the dairy burger and the following is a scene where Olivia and Enid seem to have had personality transplants. Oh my God, no one <laughs> acts like they usually do. Like seriously, we just got to a point in the series where whatever kind of character Bible was on the go was just oh. fucked into the bin and just like, right. <laughs> We're just going to reestablish every single character in this series. <laughs> and we say reestablish, they're just going to act in random ways in every single book. There will be Completely no consistency none. even within this new era. <laughs> So uh, Liz has an idea for the bridal share that she read in one of the bridal magazines. And I think it sounds like a pretty good idea. I'm kind of on board with this too, because she says she was thinking about making it a book shower. Um, Because, yeah, this is something that she read. And Enid's like, what exactly is that? Um, So, yeah, just everyone brings, instead of bringing things the bride doesn't need, like egg slicers and lemon zesters, everyone brings a book. She's like, you can never have too many books, I always say. And Enid rolls her eyes at this and she's like, "Okay, when you get married, I'll definitely throw you a book shower. (laughs) But she's like, yeah, it's a great idea for you. But I'm not sure this is what Sue would have in mind. And she goes, yeah. And speaking of books, I think maybe you should lay off them for a while because it seems like Enid has had quite enough (laughs) Of Liz's constant banging on about her self-help reading list. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, if Edith says it's self-help, uh, like the self-help stuff is really fucking annoying. Yeah. That would be one thing. But both her and, and Olivia are just like, oh, you're just, all you're doing is reading books. You need to lighten up. And Olivia's like, yeah, this is summer vacation. There's plenty of time to read when school starts in the fall. It's like, I'm literally working on a big spread of summer reads because <laughs> summer is when people do a lot of reading. When you're on your fucking holidays. This is the thing. Like, this conversation sounds more like Amy Jessica. and Lila. Yeah, yes. chatting to Jessica. You know, this is these these are the wrong people having this conversation. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, Elizabeth is like, oh well, I've stopped seeing Todd, so I need my books. Because <laughs> now my books are just like her self-help books. Um, so the others think they should go more trad. And uh like Livia says kitchen supplies and Liz says too boring and he was like too boring and this coming from the person who just suggested books again this is an Amy Sutton remark yeah it totally is like Enid's all for a bit of reading like exactly. but maybe I feel like when they're saying books here they're just talking about the kind of self-help books that Liz is mm. obsessed with at the minute which if that's what they mean I could understand that but in general Fair. it's like you guys like books. You're both big readers. What's happening here? Why are you talking about you can read in the fall when you're back at <laughs> <up> school? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Olivia has a very saucy idea, which seems extremely unlikely for teenagers. Oh, my God. Yes. She says that she went to a shower for her cousin recently and everyone brought her sexy lingerie. And she giggles and says some of it was really nice. Some of it was really suggestive. And Ian is like, that does sound a little more appropriate. And I'm like, no, it fucking doesn't. (laughs) Teenagers buying you crotchless pants or something like, what the fuck? These children that you don't know buying you sex clothes is oh, not appropriate oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh i feel crazy it's gross <laughs> and also you know they're not going to be like agent provocateurs and a nice oh, fancy God. underwear it's no. going to be some tacky and no. summer stuff Just, 
flammable static shock kind yeah. of stuff. Ugh. Um, but yeah, Liz is skeptical. She's like, do you really think that's a good idea? Elizabeth asked, picturing the dying Sue in a red teddy. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, it's like, of course it is. Don't be such a prude. Um, I mean, the thing is, teenagers get so embarrassed, apart from the mm. inappropriateness of giving somebody <laughs> like a teen children giving you sexy underwear. Like, can you why do they think it would be fun to buy like saucy underwear? That's the sort of thing that most teenagers would just be like, you know, bursting into flames. Absolutely mortified. Like if it was your yeah. like close friends in your twenties. Grand, yes. go nuts yes. in the summers, whatever, like, and have a bit of fun with it. But Jesus Christ, like, Sue doesn't even know these children. <laughs> and the whole thing is just extremely weird. Well, Liz says, oh, you know, I just want Sue to be happy. And Olivia says, why wouldn't she be happy? You're throwing her a shower and she's about to marry the stud of all studs. Olivia yeah. Davidson has never said those words. I simply refuse to believe it. The start of us dance. Like, no. seriously, I don't think the person who read wrote this book had read any of the others. No, who are these people? <laughs> actually, and it gets way worse now. So just, you know, warning everybody, uh, massive, weird, like, food issues coming oh, up. Yeah. Uh, so Liz is, like wishes she could explain why she's really worried because of course what she's really worried about is the fact Sue is going to die mm-hmm. and the others get hot fudge Sundays while Liz gets a salad the fucking dose <laughs> and then um, she tells them she's trying to stop eating chocolate or desserts of any kind and they're like oh please start, like you're not going to get all weight obsessed and start dying, dieting like Jessica and her pals and Liz says it's about control oh, God. and takes it to huge extremes it's ridiculous. Yeah, she kind of starts comparing the fact that she ate some chocolate cake by herself uh, to like being that it's like overeating is a sign of being too needy and dependent. And it's like needing too much love. And it's all about being in control or out of control. And like Olivia and Enid, in fairness, them just both kind of laugh this off. Yeah. And you know, Olivia's like, well, look, I'd rather be out of control and eat this delicious Sunday. But like Liz is just such a fucking buzzkill and and weird about eating a nice dessert. Oh. Just like, you know what, Liz? Just shut the fuck up and have your salad, will you? <laughs> exactly. Well, at one stage she says, you know, you can't control these impulses. How can you control other impulses? Like, if you're really mad at someone, what's to stop you from killing them? And <laughs> just like, what the fuck? Like, what is she talking about? <laughs> and then Liz goes, because they're just like, I'm sorry. Um, what, you know, this is taking you a bit too about? far. Yeah. 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 And then Liz says, well, when you've gained 50 pounds and your faces have all broken out with acne, don't come whining to me about it. Fuck off, Liz. Oh, my God. And in fairness, Olivia pulls her up on it and says, yeah. look, I find your implication that we have some kind of like weight or skin problems to be very insulting. I mean, it's like you're taking all the fun out of eating this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of just change the subject and go back to the whether they're going to do this whole creepy lingerie thing for the shower for oh. Sue. Oh, and she does. She does decide. Look, yeah, maybe yeah. this is the way to go because it'll be something frivolous and fun, and it'll get Sue's mind off her problems. So Enid says, "Let's go hit the stores." She says enthusiastically, "Our mission is to find the sexiest lingerie in Sweet Valley." <laughs> what every sixteen-year-old girl is usually comfortable with in the nineties, oh like bizarre. <laughs> sort of thing where you know when you, if you were going to the counter with any of it you would just want the ground to sort of 
open up and swallow you because oh of God. the sheer awkwardness. But uh, no, Wait. apparently Enid fucking Rollins is all for it. I mean, good for you. I she guess. is gung ho. She is like, just point me in the direction of the lacy thongs and let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we cut to them all where Jessica has tracked down her prey. Oh, terrifying. Yes, she has oh. randomly bumped into Sue and Jeremy uh, in Lytton and Brown um, because, of course, she overheard Sue making plans that morning. Oh, my um, God. So she's just decided that uh, the more time Jeremy spent with her around, the more he'd realise how much he needed her in his life. So we're Jeremy, also told, sorry, she yeah. couldn't bear the idea of Jeremy and Sue spending time alone together. So she decided to make sure they didn't. She is literally stealing Sue's last days alone with her fiance. Oh my God, just fully, just remorseless. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so Jeremy uh, explains that they're looking for a tent to use on mm. their honeymoon. Uh, so Jessica's like, oh, this is like a nice one. And Sue starts laughing and she's like, oh, Jesse, that tent you're pointing to has two separate sleeping compartments. Um, and she's like, oh, you know, I don't think separate sleeping compartments are exactly what we had in mind. Right, sweetie? And she's really like laying it on thick with Jeremy and being really annoying, to be honest. <laughs> but Jessica keeps pointing out like really huge tent uh, and Sue keeps saying oh we don't need anything too big you know the more intimate the better and it's like too big camping you do not want a small tent get the hell no. out of this but I actually it serves Jessica right because she has literally stalked them <laughs> this is true but then she has uh, a brainwave she does yes so she says that uh, she has just the thing uh, for Sue to get for her parents because apparently Sue was thinking about getting them a gift of some sort for uh, for the engagement party mm. and all the planning that went into it. So she she tells Sue that there is uh, the perfect gift is on the fifth floor in the china department. So she says it's a big soup bowl with a ladle and it's in the shape of a big red rose. And Sue is like, oh my God, that's perfect. So she's like, okay, Jeremy, you go down and get yourself some new jeans uh, downstairs. I'm going to go up and get this bowl. And um, she's like, I'm going to go run along and get this. You go get your stuff. I'll worry about the gift. It's a bride's responsibility, apparently. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so she tries to get Jessica to come with her, of course, to, to find this rose shaped <laughs> um, but Jessica says oh you know I actually have some stuff to do myself but you won't have any trouble finding it she goes believe me it's an original so they all kind of decide they're going to meet up uh, in half an hour back at the car uh, so of course this is all Jessica's scheming to, to get some time alone with Jeremy sure is because they go to the lift that goes to the men's department. And when Jessica goes to, you know, allegedly hit the button to, of the lift to go there, she presses the emergency button instead, causing the elevator to stop between floors. She did it so discreetly that Jeremy had no idea what she'd done. And it turns out he's actually claustrophobic and he's really freaked out. Oh, God. Well, it's Jessica that says she's claustrophobic. Oh, but she's just sorry. Lying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeremy is just deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, like he, she does kind of throw herself at him and he pushes her off him, uh, moves to the other side of the elevator and crosses <laughs> his arms. And he's like, we can't do this, Jessica. I meant what I said last night. You know, we'll be out of here soon. So let's just keep our distance and talk about something innocuous. But of course, Jessica wears him down because she's like, I can't bear not being with you. And he's like, no, we have to do the right thing. She keeps um, moving towards him. and He's moving away. And I just don't want to. I want to know how big this lift is. Honestly, yeah. But it does get to the point where she like backs him into a corner of the elevator, like <laughs> waiting to strike. Uh, and she finds it so thrilling that uh, Sue is in the same department store, oh. totally unaware of what they're doing. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. But look, they eventually start kissing uh, because Jessica like demands that he kiss her, basically. Oh, 
<laughs> she's so creepy because he he's, <laughs> he's he's like oh look i feel like i'm leading you on i don't want you to end up hating me because of this and uh we're told i can never hate you but i will be mad at you if you don't do something jessica said coyly she's fucking oh, terrifying <laughs> what's that jeremy asked Kiss me, Jessica commanded, looking up at him seductively. Jessica, I really can't, Jeremy said weakly. Please, Jessica <laughs> pleaded. Nobody will ever know. Oh, and Jeremy hesitates for a moment and then he lobs the gob. He does. He caves, of course. So the pair of them are making out in the <laughs> lift. <laughs> the elevator bell sounds and the door is open to an amused crowd of shoppers. Secretly, Jessica wished that Sue had been one of them. Because remember, she knows Sue is dying and she wants to put on, like, surprise her with some adultery. I truly like it. It's like, how, how is that the way you want this to be revealed? <laughs> oh my God. Well, we cut to the Casatel Wakefield where Alice is, sh- is showing the girls and Sue uh, pictures of her and Sue's mom, Nancy. Um, and uh, they're all amused by the 60s hair, um, which they keep going on about the weird hair. But like we know Alice was in college during the you know late 60s. Um, yeah. Like the, she had, you know, late 60s flowing locks, which were very, very fashionable in the early 90s, where there was this whole like, grunge, you know, like <laughs> See, grunge never made in the 70s. <laughs> oh, that's true. Or the sort of 70s revival. Um mm. Yeah. But anyway, they keep going on about how hilarious their hilarious. hair is. And I had the same thought exactly because I was like, Alice was a hippie. She just had long hair. Like, that's all that's happening there. Yes. <laughs> well, apparently, Jessica is not paying attention to this because uh, she can't help chuckling to herself when she recalls Sue's surprise and disappointment over not being able to find the bowl. Oh, yes, because of course, Jessica just made the whole thing up and there was no rose shaped soup bowl. <laughs> no, not the rose shaped soup bowl. <laughs> what a thing to taunt her with. <laughs> And uh, she wanted to reveal the truth about, you know, sending Sue in a wild goose chase to Jeremy. But, you know, basically knows you think she was a psychopath and uh, she's not wrong. <laughs> so then Liz asks a question about a photo of a mysterious boy. Yeah, there's a picture of Alice with her arm around a man that Liz had never seen before. So Alice explains that this is Peter Mallard. Apparently, he was the reason that her and Nancy almost stopped being friends. <gasps> uh, so this piques Jessica's interest. And she's like, Wait, what do you mean? How did you almost ruin your friendship? Uh, so Alice says, look, it's a long story. And it turns out our friendship was too strong to let some handsome young man come between us. Aww. So Sue, Sue wants to hear all about it because she loves hearing stories about her mother when she was younger. So Alice explains that this guy was in college when she and Nancy were freshmen and they both really fancied him. Um, but yeah, they went to like a fraternity party together. They didn't know anybody else, but Peter started talking to them. And they both kind of came away from the party thinking that he liked the other, like, that he liked them. Like Alice thought he was really yeah. into her. Nancy also thought he was really into her, but they didn't really say it to each other. Um, because, uh, yeah, they just didn't talk about it because she, yeah. like Alice knew Nancy liked him as well. So anyway, this kind of went on for a while and Peter went on a date with each of them, but they still didn't tell each other about it and it kind of went on for a little while, but they didn't want anything to hurt the friendship. Um, yeah, that's is that all we find out about it? Yeah, apparently they kept, yeah, kept going on for almost two months with yeah. each of them going on these secret dates, but not telling the other because they didn't want mm. to hurt their feelings, you know. Um, and uh, of course, Jessica uh is intrigued because she loves stories about people dicking other people around. Mm, and absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. asks um, Alice, how did you keep it from each other? We're told Jessica couldn't help seeing the similarities between her mother's story and what was happening <laughs> to her right then. Peter wasn't an adult. Uh, he, You didn't meet him when he was engaged to Nancy. And also, Nancy wasn't oh, dying. This is the thing. Yeah. Like, there is so much more at play in Jessica's situation that they are not at all comparable whatsoever. Um, but yeah, Alice just explains that like when she was heading out with Peter, she'd make up some story about having to do a project as a, like a cover for uh, to tell Nancy. Um, but when Liz asks how it all finally worked out, Ned comes in to announce that his famous chili is served because this is all part of this fucking everyone's making things. Oh my fucking god! Who cares? Oh no. my god! <laughs> they don't get the end of the story at this stage. But as Jessica no. looks at the picture, she realizes, you know, how much she looks like Alice, and then how much Sue actually looks like Nancy. Um, so she wonders, yeah, which which one got the guy, my lookalike or Sue's? <gasps> So she sits down at the table and to her horror, she notices she notices Sue isn't there, even though she literally just walked, you know, they were all looking at the photos the and went into the kitchen and now Sue's just vanished. <laughs> so, so apparently she's gone out to get pizza with Jeremy and then they're going to a film. And uh, Liz uh, can't resist the temptation to sort of um, basically tease Jessica as well as she might. So I think it's nice for Jeremy and Sue to spend a little time alone together before the wedding. I mean... It's considering they were Sue's constantly inviting Jessica to go along on their dates. I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised. She's like, "Don't you agree, sister dear?" Oh God! But then, of course, Jessica asks what film they've gone to see. Mm, yeah, so Liz is like, "Why do you want to know?" <laughs> but uh, Jess is like, "Oh, you know, I was just thinking of going to a movie myself." Uh, so Alice reveals that apparently it's some documentary about rainforests because they have one interest and they are sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> so they decided to go see it uh, because they were really happy that it was actually playing in Sweet Valley and then Jessica's like oh I've been dying to see that movie too I love nature films and Liz is like yeah since when but Jessica uh, is adamant that uh, she's going to go see it after dinner but uh, Liz is like don't you think Sue and Jeremy should be alone but Jessica says she'll just sit in the back very quietly they'll never know she's there <laughs> and Liz is determined to stop her twin causing chaos because she knows her all too well and she thinks then I'll be sitting right there with you at least if Elizabeth was there, the damage Jessica would wreak would be kept to a minimum. And that is where we are stopping left at the altar. Oh, my God. Left at the cinema. Oh, well, you will just have to wait and see what happens when Jessica um, invades Sue and Jeremy's date, because, you know, she will be invading it. Um, but... Uh, until then, do we have any stats and outfits or are we going to wait until it's all over? So I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to do the outfits up to this point because there oh, is excellent. quite a scatter of them in it. And I'll save the stats for the end of the oh, book. Yes. For the so we get the episode. whole, st- the yeah. stats of the whole. Yes, the stats work better as a whole, I think. But the outfits, when there's a lot of them, this is fine because otherwise I'm like 20 minutes describing it. <laughs> so for this half of the book, we have... Jessica, when she runs down before the sunrise to meet Jeremy, who was, I don't know, floating outside her window, um, she pulls on a sexy black backless sundress uh, to to run down and meet him when she thinks maybe he's going to ask her to elope or something. (laughs) Shrieking away. It's just bananas. Um, So then when she is planning her outfit for her later on in the night date with Jeremy when he's going to beep the horn and drive down the corner. <laughs> she is uh, she's she's asking for Liz's opinion and wonders whether she should go for the low cut T-shirt or the bodysuit. Mm. Uh, she then tries on a mini skirt that's quite tight 
uh, Liz sees it and says, take a tacky skirt off. <laughs> I <laughs> so love she calls it tacky. She calls it tacky, but they don't tell us what it looks like. So I'm kind of dying to know what Liz thinks is tacky, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, this is Jessica running out to meet Jeremy and she has decided to wear black jeans and a purple tank top. And she's just wearing a, a little bit of lipstick and blush because she reckons that he'd prefer the natural look since he's such an outdoorsy guy. <laughs> And we already had that uh, Jeremy was in his uh, Canadian tuxedo when he met (laughs) Jessica at one point in his, uh, he was wearing a denim jacket and jeans. So that was quite the combo. Um, (laughs) Lila, when she's uh, on her fancy date where she was springing for the steak for her her beau, uh, was wearing a sleeveless red velvet dress and pearls. Oh, in California. (laughs) Why are they, it's not the first time they've been wearing velvet dresses <laughs> I know and like velvet was big in the 90s so you kind of have to give them that but still like just mm. oh no I'm glad it's sleeveless at least there's some concession oh, gosh, the fact yeah. that she'll be absolutely sweating the armpits <laughs> will at least have some airing there you go a bit of air con for the armpits um and then finally we have Sue who I just I can't really get a handle on Sue's fashion sense whatsoever <laughs> because when she reveals to Liz um, about her terrible diagnosis she is sitting down and her nightwear is a pink silk robe and nightgown Gosh. and I'm I'm just picturing it as looking like that really ridiculous pink fluffy one that Jessica wears in the TV oh show. yes I'm just I'm thinking Barbara Cartland like that's oh. where I'm going with that <laughs> if you're telling me it's a pink silk robe and nightgown oh. it's fluffy that's it just has to be <laughs> marabou feathers up the wazoo <laughs> yeah. Like Probably don't literally, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So those are our outfits oh, so far God. in the book up to this point, which I think was plenty to uh, to whet the appetite for the rest of them because yes, yeah, there's a lot going on in this book. <laughs> really is. See, this is why we have to split it up again. We're <laughs> like we're pushing the two hour limit now, oh, and uh, <laughs> and like really, there has been so much action, more mm-hmm. action than in, I'd say, probably about the 10 most boring Sweet Valley books in the pre-Margot era put together. Oh my God. Honestly, like, I mean, in that in half a book alone, we have Jessica's continued absolute derangement. We had Lila's wild fucking plan to test <laughs> Robbie and that incredible backstory. I mean, Venice, Venice Fowler, <laughs> where would you get it? Honest to God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I just, I'm, don't know why it was Venice tickled me so much. It just taught me when I was doing my notes. Could it be like a reference to Paris Hilton? But she was obviously a child at the mm. time, or at least a yeah. young teenager. Um, so I guess if somebody was very au fait with rich hotel families, they yeah. might have known who she was. But I just like the idea that they just thought, what's a classy name? What's a classy broad going to be called? Venice. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. And seriously, listeners, it's just going to get more and more ridiculous as book. I guess the book goes on as the uh, in the next episode. Four words. Sweet Valley Stag Party. (laughs) It's beyond what you're imagining. I mean, you can't, you could not make it up. Oh, God. I mean, you know, you'd think that a stag party in Sweet Valley are two things that wouldn't go together. Ooh. And you'd be correct. <laughs> <laughs> you would. 
but we won't spoil it now. Much as Karen has refrained from spoiling Succession for me. Um, Not so, over yet. So, uh-oh. <laughs> well, listeners, uh, we won't spoil Succession here either, just in case there's anybody who still hasn't watched it, uh, <laughs> even next time, um, because uh, the only thing we will inadvertently spoil in this podcast are Sweet Valley books. And frankly... <laughs> So, I mean, the Amazon descriptions spoil them. That's true. Um, and sometimes the back covers yes. do as well. So Jesus, like, yeah, like this one did. Really did. The Amazon cover didn't, or blurb, did not include the dying Sue element. So that was a genuine surprise for me. Oh, nice. Um, but do let us know what you think. We love hearing from you. You can find us on Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at svhpodcast, where Pippi and Shirley said, Liz's sisterhood circle reminds me of the boomer women, or as they preferred, women with a Y, who would meet in consciousness raising <laughs> circles at the Women's Resource Centre I volunteered as a teen. They were bummed out they'd missed the 70s version and they were really into keeping that second wave energy going. Um, <laughs> and that does make sense. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Bob and the button said, thoughts on the cathedral. Is it a split level ranch style cathedral? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now, Anne Foster, not that one, said, I learned a new term in this episode when you call Jeremy a wrong one. Now, she wrote wrong hyphen O-N. She said, it's such an evocative phrase. I knew right away what it meant, although it's never said in Canada. And actually, it does. I mean, you completely got it right I'm sure mm. like the meaning but it's wrong on like a wrong one mm, That's you what, uh, yeah so like a wrong <laughs> um, but yeah it basically it, it means what you think it means yeah definitely um, <laughs> uh, Lil Stargazer um made uh, several good points about Jeremy being a groomer and how when she was 15 or 16 she didn't see any issue with any of this stuff mm. again the messaging in this book is so incredibly dangerous for young yes, readers. Funny. But, uh, you know, we were talking about how many Roberts and Robbies they've had. And she points out, as far as the name thing, there's also two Rogers, True, Patman and Collins. Mr. Mm. Collins. <laughs> when will he return from the war? Where is he? <laughs> Said, and coming up soon, another Maria. Surely the people behind Sandy Bacon, Archie Western <laughs> and Sergeant Fumpo can do better. They really just go from one extreme to another, don't they? <laughs> the Libby uh, Grant said, and uh, we hope she speaks for more more than one of you, uh, says, oh my God, I can't wait till all my writing is done for the day and I get to wander my neighbourhood, smoking weed, listening to the, this listening to this egregious shit show. <laughs> Swear to God, we could do with some weed to just take the edge oh, off God, this. Uh, where we're do- I mean, probably not while we're actually recording, but definitely while reading. Mm, yes, I did like how uh, Wretched Chinchilla, just this username, I swear to God, oh, uh, genius. So <laughs> Her uh, comment was that uh, Liz's new cultural appropriation <laughs> moniker obviously should have been Dances with Werewolves. Yes. <laughs> Correct. There were also some very good points on uh, the Sweet Valley Cleaners. 
uh, oh, where was that one? Um, Maria Teresa Biblioteca said, only in Sweet Valley, where people are obsessed <laughs> with wearing silk at all times. Can one find a fancy French dry cleaner? And Sister Beshi Confessi said, have I been getting my dry cleaning done by dry cleaners of different nationality, like a total classless chump? And then says, it's actually only dry cleaning if it's done by laundresses from the Clean U region of France. Amazing. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. Oh, I love that uh, lots of people had some great um, theories for what the song that they yes. were dancing to that was described as medium paced and swingy. It's so Katie Longstreth uh, had a vote in for, because uh, it was 1994 at the time. Uh-huh. Of the run, so her, her reckoning is that it could be The Sign by Ace of Bass, absolute tune, uh, uh-huh. or possibly All I Want to Do by Cheryl Crow. I think the latter would especially appeal to Jessica and Jeremy. Sick face. <laughs> Maria well, Teresa uh- Bibliotheca's vote was for Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg, which stunning. Can you imagine the Sweet Valley teens would simply spontaneously combust if they heard Snoop Dogg, I feel like. She said she decided to it mostly because of the thought of those nerds boogieing to Snoop Dogg is cracking me up and oh us. God, honestly, although I can kind of picture Bruce Patman getting into the with my mind and my money and my money and my mind. <laughs> good point (laughs) so good and also actually best art six uh had a a guest that uh she sent us a link and it was to like a gap ad from 1998 so the year is a bit later but it was one of these ads where it like caused a whole like swing music resurgence yes Um, it was like an ad for khakis and it was like Mm -hmm. a song called jump and jive by louis prima and like honestly this is the kind of thing that i would fully expect sweet valley teens to be listening to at a party because they're Their tastes are so weird and slightly dated. And like the fact that they're all mad for the smooth jazz. It's like maybe at a party they go for some swing music before (laughs) it's actually a thing that everybody is into again as a trend. Like that is very Sweet Valley, I feel. They would 100% be leading the swing revival in America in the 90s. (laughs) Well, certainly if Bruce and Jessica's dancing is anything to go by. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They'll be swinging each other around. Well, there was a lot of love also for the most camp scene in Sweet Valley history, the legendary wedding dress under the truck wheels scene. Um, Bob and the Button said, this scene was as camp as Glastonbury. Amazing cartoon villainess realness from Jessica. Top work from the Sweet Valley dry cleaners and their dress saving skills. Or should I say, the dry cleaners. (laughs) Yes. The Tamari said, is this the SBH equivalent of scattering beads on the stage to secure the role of lead dancer in a Vegas show? Yes. Jessica will be starring in Goddess. Oh my God, I can see it now. <laughs> and Hillary spoke for us all when she said, Jessica is pure id and I am here for it. <laughs> I mean, so accurate, honestly. Um, and a shout out there actually for uh, Jen B's Guilds, who uh, was having a bit of a rough time there lately, but said, uh, thank goodness for Jessica and her unhingedness and for Sue and her gormlessness. Wake <laughs> up, Sue, for goodness sake. <laughs> yes, agree, because yes, it, it really is a ridiculous but entertaining saga. You have to give it that. Oh, you really do. Uh, well, listeners, if that saga is not enough for you, um, you know, if this uh, 
<laughs> this particular <laughs> strand of the Sweet Valley storytelling universe is not enough to keep you going for the next two weeks. You can join us in our sorority clubhouse um, and uh, join our non-toxic gender, <laughs> all genders welcome sorority <laughs> Uh, Pi Beta Alpha by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yes, if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show uh, for as little as five euro a month. And in doing so, gets you access to all our bonus content, which is now like three and a half series worth of bonus episodes where we're chatting about the Sweet Valley High TV show, which we are now so deeply enamored with. There's simply no way out for us. Like we're so fully invested. We really are. I mean, sort of worryingly to some degree. I'm actually starting to think, well, we do, you know, not just what will we do for the bonus episodes when the podcast, uh, when the series finishes, but like, I think we'll actually genuinely miss it. I totally will. I'm just going to go back to the start and start again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you sign up, you will have our whole backlist, which is like two and a half series at this stage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're on to series three. So we're like, yes. And we're about halfway so through. Oh, oh yeah, not quite halfway through. But yeah, there's so, a yeah. lot of episodes. There's, there's so like, much to get through. Yeah. <laughs> there's at least 50. So uh yeah, you'll have a treat <laughs> in store. Um, and even if you don't think you care for the Sweet Valley TV series, I think you'd be converted. You might be surprised, because honestly, we went into it thinking we were just going to be taking the piss out of it. And I'm obsessed with everybody in this show now. I mean, it's completely wild. Every time you think you're in for a bit of a dud of an episode, something fucking crazy happens. And it's wonderful. (laughs) We're having a great time over there. So many montages. And if you don't get a montage, you can be sure that something fucking buck wild is going to happen anyway. Like we had Jessica and Lila in pig outfits that fully broke me last week. Like I simply could not get the words out. We did not see that coming. I mean, (laughs) how could we? Seriously, we have learned that, you know, anytime they go near the Sweet Valley Mall in the TV series, something absolutely fucking insane happens. So uh, we're completely here for it. Absolutely. Pi Beta Alpha Sisters, um, we will see you, uh, those of you who have signed up to Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcasts.com. Um, we will see you in the clubhouse next week where I suspect Liz and Todd are going to be back together because, yeah, they've split up in the TV series as well. Imagine. <laughs> Shocking. Um, so, yeah, we will see you there. But we will see everybody back here with the main feet. When we head to Moon Beach and find out who will be left at the altar. (gasps) Exclamation mark. (laughs) (laughs) See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.